Hey, jibbers and jabbers, it's J-Mac here. This is just for you audio listeners. Thank you very much for listening to us as long as you have. We much appreciate it and we hope you're still enjoying it. But we would love it if you would go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you love what you hear, you'll love what you see. Get over there now, click on subscribe to keep up to date. Thank you. Gents, it's Sunday night, and we have a special treat for you tonight. J Mac, you're looking awfully blurry <laughs> and awfully old. Really? What's happening on your end, mate? I'm only joking, that was a joke. How's things? Oh, uh, not bad. Thanks for uh, making me panic even more. There. I couldn't find my hoodie. I couldn't find my hoodie. Running about like a blue ass fly. I was like, where's my hoodie? Where's my hoodie? I was like, I'm, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and just ask my wife. <laughs> you were uh, watching Peter uh, Weller getting squibbed and you were like, I've not got long left. <laughs> I didn't even see that bit. Honestly, <laughs> I'm still running about at that time. Um, but I just thought, I'm going to need to ask. So I had to open the living room door and uh, I said, I said, is anybody, I said, did I bring my hoodie in from the car earlier? Everybody laughed. And she said, I told you. So he's going to realise that he's not got his hoodie on, then he's not going to be able to find it and he's going to come and ask us where it is. So, and lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. So, there we go. So I'm a bit out of sorts today. I'm, I'm on holiday, so it, it kind of it knocks me a bit out of sorts. I don't know how. Hopefully, I sound okay. Normally you sound I've got great. A lovely little. Sh- I've got the the Shure MV7, which is just tasty. But this is yeah. obviously just using my phone's audio, uh, in the, the the most intelligent looking corner I could find in this house. So you uh, you sound much better than you look, mate. Um, <laughs> and I mean well, that. I mean, <laughs> I mean that you you I, look like I do you're, have uh, a bit of Wallace and. A, I've got a Wallace and Gromit face again tonight. It's not the face, you know, it's just... more the... It looks like you're streaming from a potato. <laughs> it looks kidding. absolutely fine on mine. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad someone can see you. I'm kidding, mate. It's not actually that bad. It's just a wee bit, it's a wee bit out of sorts. But hey, that's just how it, that's how we roll, man. You're on holiday for anybody at home that doesn't know. J-Mac's on holiday, but he just, he just didn't want to miss our special guest today, which is Gary Smart of Cult Screenings. Um, this here t-shirt, which I absolutely bootlegged, Dark Ditties, we will be chatting about uh, today, <laughs> along with... Along with some of the uh, the reasons that the guys are really here, and that's to talk about these phenomenal, phenomenal, and I'm not even going to call them books because that won't do them justice. Work of art. Even the shine, the shine off of those mm-hmm. books is just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Maybe if I shine it through the lens, I might be able to see. <laughs> is this going to be an ongoing thing? <laughs> Just It'd be kidding. nice if you'd mentioned this in the half-hour conversation we had before. I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. Um, so, to, like I says, today we're going to chat. <laughs> uh, we're going to chat to Gary Smart, who is basically the one of the one of the what's the word that you'd use when a, a great team of people are very artistic and work together and something that makes something really special and unique. What's one of them? Uh, that's that's exactly it. 
one of them. <laughs> yeah, one so of them. he's one of the uh, <laughs> one of the the puzzle pieces and and the team that make oh, a really amazing picture. <laughs> and then do something better. Let's let's hear um, yours. Puzzle piece. <laughs> exactly. Um, so for any of you that don't know. Uh, he also so he basically runs cult screenings and dead mouth dead mouse productions and they've made uh the the documentary with paul davies that was on the american werewolf and london blu-ray disc two um that's called beware the moon which is also the same as the book essentially um they also they're making a new documentary called pennywise um the story of it which which has Tim Curry and the gang in it. I mean, we could go through pretty much everything that the guys have done, but they've done really amazing work. So we're not going to just sit and talk about it all here. We're going to bring in Gary Smart. Ladies and gents, I hope he's ready for this. Gary Smart. Ta -ta -ta. <laughs> oh, thank you. Just a quickie. <laughs> we didn't actually do Beware the Moon documentary. Did you not? Was it no, just Paul? No, no. Yeah, that's why it's not as good as our documentaries because we didn't do it. <laughs> ah, so, right, right. Arzabella. Sorry, right, so you, you guys actually an absolute flyer. <laughs> so if I'm right, if I'm right in thinking, then he done the documentary together. You collaborated on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so he, right. he approached us to do the book a few years after doing the doc. I see, I see. Um, so he approached you. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was kind of yeah because we'd done a book already on uh, Return of the Living Dead, and I think I'd already been speaking to Paul a little bit uh, over. Um, Twitter or Facebook, something like that. And then mm. we had a conversation about Beware the Moon and obviously kind of asked us, were we interested? And then mm. we kind of moved forward on there. It kind of was quite a fast process. Right. Kind of best five years ago, something I think it was. Three, four years, yeah. I see. Well, whether Paul Davies is quite well known now in the Lost Boys, um, the Lost Boys, what we call it, fandom? Fandom, yeah. Fandom, right? Uh, yeah. So he's, he's, he's what you call now the heavy hitter. And he kind of, when you do look at him and his body of work, cult screenings goes hand in hand. So you guys just work with him on different projects or is he part of that actual team? No, no. So basically we did the first book with um, Paul, Beware the Moon. And then obviously mm -hmm. we wanted to do another book with him and that was Lost in, Lost in the Shadows, a Lost Boys book. So yeah, we worked with him twice uh, on books. We hopefully want to work with him again. Uh, but obviously then we do our other stuff as well. So we kind of bought, mm -hmm. for the first time actually, was we bought some, a, a writer in, because obviously mm -hmm. we did our, you know, uh, Return of the Living Dead was done by us and Fright Night was done by us, the book. The Harry's book was done by us as well. We mm -hmm. brought Paul in as kind of as a kind of guest writer, if you want to call it. And But he yeah. worked out really well for us again with, with Paul. Then Return of the Living Dead happens to be one of my all-time favourite guilty pleasures. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And and I've not seen the documentary you guys done yet. Um, or I've, and, and the book... Uh, there's a book as well, isn't it? There's two books, yeah. There's The Complete History of Return of the Living Dead, which myself mm -hmm. and Christian Sellers did in 2010. And then there's the 245 Trioxin, the uh, history, uh, what's it, what's it called now? <laughs> the Return of the Living Dead story. <laughs> uh, whatever it's called. And that was done about five years ago, I think it was, uh -huh. for court screenings, yeah. That's, that's brilliant. I mean, I take it you're a big fan of that movie yourself oh right? yeah i um huge fan i was really close friends with uh don Kaufer, who played ernie colton brunner oh, uh, nice. very close to don and obviously close to beverly as well plays tina uh, oh. and we we did obviously the book we've also done a graphic novel as well which was called revenge of the living dead which oh. was the don Kaufer's unofficial sequel 
Mm. So that came out that came out during lockdown, the first lockdown. How many lockdowns have we had? About 10 now. So the first lockdown <laughs> back, in, back in March last year, that came out then, just as lockdown oh, hit. No, no. I need yeah. to, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try and search them. <laughs> Well, that's Remember sold out, me. but I'll send you a copy. Oh, no way, mate. Hey, yeah. he's good yeah. on his word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. Can't thank you enough for that. Um, J-Max is still here because we've not essentially seen each other. Um, we are going to chat a bit more about Return of the Living Dead because it's a conversation we've not had yet because as we've kind of looked... Because like, I first initially thought Cult Screenings um, was just like a, a, a publisher because um, at first I heard of it was essentially through the Paul yeah. Davies stuff. Um, but then when I spoke to you after that episode, and I've kind of went on a bit of a binge. I've watched like <laughs> the Dark Days. I watched the uh, the Fright Night documentary as well. Um, I'm at the point now where there's still more from it to binge, but I just kind of need to piece it all together. And I just kind of was like, well, wait a minute. You kind of remind us of us. Like, we're a podcast <laughs> at the heart of what we do. But yet we've got our fingers in so many different pies, so yeah. to speak. Um, and that's kind of what you guys do, if I'm right, because you, you are publishing these books. You're yeah. making TV series. You make documentaries. I mean, there's pretty much, I take it you guys are just led on what, what, what you're passionate about, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first thing we started doing was um, was uh, screenings in Birmingham. So we did film mm. screenings like yourself. Um, that was yeah. where cult, that's where cult screenings came from. Right. Um, and then we kind of like, you know, did documentaries on how raised we moved on. And then we did obviously the ditties and we've done some of the narrative stuff and uh, the books. So yeah, and we've done an action figure as well. We, we released an action figure of Peter Vincent a couple of years ago. <laughs> so yeah, we kind of been dipping our toes in, 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 in lots of things really. Um, yeah. It's what we love, you know, I'm a big film fan, a big kind of a collector of, as you can see, of, of mm. crap. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of, it's a, like, it's a passion project, really, and, and we kind of enjoy what we do. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's what uh, sets people apart, and that that's one of the things that people can see clearly in these books is the passion and the love that goes into it. I think that's the true, like, because I, I when I first started looking at Lost in the Shadows, and I was reading it the other day, yesterday actually. Um, I was reading the just the the first part where Paul talks about why he chose to do that. And just after reading that, I was like, I need to, I need to turn the movie on. And I watched yeah. it yesterday in full. I was like, I have to, I think that there is is what's most important about these. But that's the intention we we try to do from day one. You know, so when we mm -hmm. first start doing our first projects, and you get worried about copyright and stuff like that, or <laughs> uh, it's what we're doing. We're promoting the work of you know of obviously people we uh, we admire really. So when we did mm -hmm. Turn of Living Dead, the first book on Turn of Living Dead. It's because we loved that film, and nobody else really promoted that film in any way. It was always mm -hmm. Romero and Night of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead yeah. from Dawn. No one did Return of the Living Dead. So, yes, we hope people watch our stuff and go, you know what, I want to watch the film. Uh, mm -hmm. And they go back and revisit that movie then. I think a lot of people do do that when they you know, read the books and watch the docs. Absolutely. Uh, I think um, you, people go through these little... Uh binges. It's like you'll watch the first one of a movie, and then you'll, yeah. you'll end up watching all the sequels and that. And I think... A book like this is, is definitely the one you need for when you're on the, the the Lost Boys one. I can't say that you would you would really go through a Lost Boys binge because I, I know that majority of people don't like the sequels. <laughs> Me, I'm more forgiven. J Max more of the, <laughs> the hardcore, like no, they're kind of doing. I'm I'm really forgiven where it comes to sequels. It's same as me with Return of the Been Dead. You know, I like two and three, but four and five are you know are kind of. <laughs> The fans hate him, but my thought process on them films is, is you know, it, the fact that somebody could be bothered to do them in the first place. You know, <laughs> no, I know it's, not, it's, about, it's about rights. You know, look at the Hellraiser franchises, mm. 11 of them. But mm. at least at least the mythology is kept alive and at least the films are kept out there and they are being made, even though it's yeah. polit political sometimes why they're being made. But mm. at least they're still being made, not just shelved and left for 30 years and no one cares about them. 
someone somebody's trying you know make to make a few quid but at least someone's trying and i think that's when something can really carry and trans transcend through generations is when people like fathers uh mothers sisters and essentially big brothers are always the reason like how many people first saw the lost boys because the brother was old enough to watch it and you weren't but you watched it anyway that's that's essentially how people saw lost boys right <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I think I think actually remakes help as well. You know, people like slam the Fright Night remake, but hopefully people will watch it and go back and watch the original. Then that's why I hope people would do it. So even if it's crap. I said that. People go mm-hmm. back and watch it. By the way, I, I, I actually that. really enjoyed I really enjoyed the Fright Night remake, but I hadn't seen the original. See, um, I I, <laughs> I still <laughs> haven't. But in I, all honesty, I still, I still actually haven't seen it. No, get rid of I'm him. Still not <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I'll just log off now. Again. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose if you, you're probably right. If you haven't watched the original, you, you're not obviously then tarnished, are you? You're obviously, you're not biased. Because mm. I, my problem with the remake was, as much as I enjoyed it, was the character of Peter Vincent, played by mm. David Tennant. If you watch the original, Peter Vincent, by Roddy McDowell, is the heart of that movie. You know, it's his character who's a bit of a wimp and a bit of a fraud, and he actually does become a hero at the end. And because it's Roddy playing him as well, you kind of really kind of like like the character. As much as he's a bit of a knobbery of the character, but you still like him. Whereas mm. I just think in the yeah. remake, he, you know, he's kind of Chris Angel type Las Vegas magician who's a bit cocky and got a bird and didn't work. I mean, then it all what? Guess what? He, he, vampires are real because his parents were killed by vampires. The whole point originally is that Peter Vincent pretends vampires are real and he knows mm. that they're not. And then when he does front one he shits himself that's the whole point <laughs> about film it's, but i guess what you're saying if you haven't watched the original it is a good movie mm-hmm. yeah, there's a bit I mean, like it's, that it's, in the one these, it's one of those uh the, the original fright night is one of those uh posters or uh, yeah. even vhs covers that used to yeah. scare me when i was a kid <laughs> really? you just you see that that kind of face coming over the yeah. house you don't even know that it's a vampire film looking at that picture no you know, it looks it looks more like a demonic kind of Oop. Yeah, you know that that type of thing, like um, that. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's horrendous. Um, but, but you're right. Uh, yeah, I the, mean the, the the RoboCop remake as well. I, I think the, the the RoboCop remake, if you hadn't seen the original, is actually pretty decent. The problem, I think, the problem was, I think you you'll know this as well that. It, it was supposed to be very much like the original. It was supposed to be really kind of balls to the wall and and kind of ultra violent, but it just got twelve aid because yeah. it went so far over budget that they had to say, "No, we need to try and get our money back on this." I just think it, I just think the the biggest problem of that film was was the fact that Robocop kind of reconnects with his family a little bit, and he you know, and the kind of there's a question about will he get back of his family, and he meets his kid. The whole point of the original Robocop, he's lost everything. You know, he becomes Robocop and he beca- he's no longer Murphy anymore. He's lost that humanity and he can't go back to his family. He's had to become Robocop. And he kind of like, they just try and make it a bit soppy, don't they, nowadays? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, get his family back. Let's make up. He's got no legs and he's got no bits and pieces. So what's he going to do? You know what I mean? He's just <laughs> he's just a head and lungs. That's all he is in that film. And he's going to go back with his wife. I don't think so. Unless he's, unless he's got an attachment of some sort. Okay, I, uh, I, I, re- I retract my previous statement. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on RoboCop remake. <laughs> well, we can, we can cover that because we've got a good bit there. There's a lot of these uh, documentaries that you've got coming up, like RoboDoc, and then the the format for the show. I just wrote next to it, needs no 
notes. Like <laughs> we can just proper, like I already know all these things we're going to kind of talk about. So you said there that you, you started off doing screens. We're kind of the opposite. We started off and always have essentially been a podcast and then we kind of shoot into doing other things. So when you starting the screenings, when was the first time you were like, do you know what? Here's something I'd love to do, like the documentary or, or releasing the book. What was the first thing you done? And, and did you just kind of shoot for the best and then just, was it like the aligning of the stars? I mean, that's a lot of what yeah, that's been for it us. Was. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be very quick on the story. I don't want to bore you too much. But oh. it, it started off in 2008 when I met a chap called Christian Sellers who uh, worked for a magazine in the UK called Gore Zone, <laughs> which is a really good horror magazine. Then it suddenly became like a porno magazine after a couple of years. <laughs> it, it got really weird and it kind of disappeared. But <laughs> I got friendly with, with Christian. But at the same time, I got friendly with, Don Kaufer, through my space of all places, mm -hmm. uh, Don and Beverly, who Don played uh, Ernie Coulton Brunner in Return of the Living Dead, and Beverly played Tina. Mm. And I got friendly with them, and I arranged for Don to come over to the UK to do a convention, his first ever UK convention at the NEC, and we became really friendly, we became really close. He stayed with at my house, I've been to him in LA and back, back and forwards. Um, unfortunately, Don died a few years ago, mm -hmm. um, but uh, but basically what happened was I was in, I did a, the book of Return of Living Dead with Christian, uh, published by a company called Plexus in 2009, 10, I think it was. We didn't make a penny off that. We were kind of shafted, to be honest. But we, we were green. Obviously, we got our first book published. It was official UK publisher. It sold out. We, but we didn't see a penny of it. Uh, and that kind of was it for a little while. And then um, uh, I was invited to do a screening, uh, to be a guest, actually, <laughs> uh, for a Q&A mm -hmm. at a screening in Birmingham uh, at the Custard Factory. It's basically what it says on the tin. It's an old Custard Factory, which has now got a cinema. It's kind of all niche and retro stuff there and vintage stores and whatnot. Mm -hmm. it's one, yeah, it's one of those places, but very arty. But I was invited there, and I was told by the organisers, you get to sell out, you know, and I was like, oh, I don't want to go. It's absolutely sold out. It's Halloween night. We're going to talk about zombies basically the zombie <laughs> zombie history and the viewers are get our guests honor and we're going to show night of the living dead that's brilliant and then the day of the event i thought i really can't be asked to go i just can't do that um yeah i wasn't as i wasn't as social as i am now uh, mm. then and i was like i can't be bothered and, I, and my mate said you've got to go they've sold out you know if you don't turn up it's gonna look really bad and so i turned up and there was three people in the audience so i was lied oh. to um and it was just like it was a terrible night and uh, having to sit through Night of the Dead. I don't mind Night of the Dead, the original, but I prefer the remake from uh, <laughs> Savini's 1990 version. But anyway, I sat through that and then I got talking to one of the organisers. I said, you know, you've got a perfect venue here. I could get you Don Cowford to come over and do a screen of Return of the Living Dead. Let's mm -hmm. do a double screen of Reanimate, even though Don's not in that, but it's the same kind of 1985 cult horror comedy. And they agreed to do it. And then obviously I kind of led on it to a degree and it kind of just sold it. Don came over and the event sold out. And it was an amazing event. You know, Don loved it. And we had a great Q&A and was doing sick autographs with people. And then that led on to a screen of Hellraiser, which is another one of my favourite films. So we did mm -hmm. Hellraiser 1 and 2. And we invited Ken Cranham, who I've got really close to now. But at that time, I didn't really know Ken very well. Ken's obviously done Godload films. He's done Layer Cake. Um, Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember what he's done. He's done a lot of films. <laughs> I mean, he's Lawrence Olivia Award-winning actor, Ken Cranham. Mm -hmm. um, so we got him over at home. We got him down. And we got Simon Bamford, Nicholas Vince. And we got Jeff Portis, the guy who actually designed Pinhead. Did this screening. And after, I was thinking, you know what? No one's ever done a documentary on Return of the on Hellraiser. Mm -hmm. Let's try and do one. But just rewind again very quickly. When we did the book on Return of the Dead, I was asked by the 
guys who did the documentary called Never Sleep Again, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street doc. Mm. They asked me, did yeah. I want to did I, did I want to write their documentary called More Brains, A Return to Living Dead? <laughs> More so, Brains! Yeah, yeah. It's exactly <laughs> it. And it I, I kind of I said yes, because it was easy, because we'd done the book already. So it was going to be an easy gig. And it was an mm. easy gig, to be honest. Mm. So we wrote that. And obviously, we learned how to do a narrative structure based on interviews. So when you do interviews, obviously, you're documentarians yourself. You get, obviously, your transcribes. And then you've obviously then got to use them transcribes as a script edit. So you create a kind of like narrative uh, script with obviously the transcribes uh, for your kind of like baseline edit. So we knew how to do that. So we did, so basically we said, let's let's do Hellraiser one and two, because they're both British films, filmed in the UK, British crew, from, you know, mainly British crew. Uh, and we decided to do that. And we obviously already knew people and it kind of snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And then it became this massive, documentary which was nine hours long and we had to go to the states to film stuff and we were like <laughs> oh. what the hell are we doing now we've, we've kind of created a monster here and then that kind of like snowballed then into we did a couple more screens with brian cox uh from um you know the actor brian cox not the scientist um <laughs> and we did we did a, people were confused we did that people turned up for the event to watch manhunter thinking that it was Professor Brian Cox. Why would Professor <laughs> Brian Cox be at the screen and Manhunter as Hannibal Lecter? I have no idea. But people thought it was him. Which is like, you know, Brian Cox, the legend actor, you know, there. And they didn't, they didn't realise it was him. But anyway, that kind of snowball. And we did, obviously, then after Hellraiser, uh, we did um, Friday Night documentary. And we got really friendly mm. with Tom Holland. And then it went on to Robocop and Pennywise and blah, 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 blah. So it kind of owned the books and then the figures and then yeah. the props. So it kind of snowballed really from there. That was a very short, long version. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sorry. Just looking, just looking at what you guys are, are and, and what you're doing. I mean, essentially, that's kind of the stuff that we've we've always kind of set out to do. We've we're kind of we've got like a full production team now. Pretty much yeah. everything that you could really want and. Uh, we started to kind of play about with that now and kind of work with people that are, that have done a lot of these different things. So for us, it's cool to see someone that's done exactly the same kind of yeah. thing as what we're essentially aspiring to do. What was, the, what was the, the first, the first moment for you when you were like, Oh my God, I can't believe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great question. <laughs> Let's pretend he's let, still let, here. Let, let's guess what he was going to say. I think he's going to say, <laughs> I can't believe how amazing you are. Well, I knew that a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, what I'll do is I'll, I'll connect with him telepathically. J-Mac, if you're there, tap me in the shoulder three times. All he was saying now, uh, uh, when, when was the first moment that, I mean, I can. I, this is how well I know what his question is going to be and, <laughs> and vice versa, right? His question, essentially, and I, he'll correct me if I'm wrong. When did you first go, wow, I can't actually believe I'm sitting here with this person and I'm doing this, that kind of thing? Because we've had a few of those moments yeah. ourselves. When was that for you, the first time? It's really weird because we've done so much. It was the biggest one for me was probably years after, to be honest. Where you, yeah. you kind of, you kind of, when we did documentary on on Hellraiser, and obviously I was a massive fan of Ken Craner. I mean, a huge mm -hmm. fan from, from a kid. I'd followed his career. Uh, and obviously when we met Ken, and he was so nice. That was an amazing experience. It, but and we've met obviously loads of people like Paul Verhoeven. We've met others, you know, Kurtwood Smith, Ronnie Cox. So I love Ronnie Cox, you know, from obviously mm -hmm. Robocop, but then obviously from Total Recall. Yeah, uh, it was really Robert England, to be honest. It sounds daft. It was oh, yeah, and that was years and years after because mm -hmm. we obviously decided we well we wanted to do a documentary on Robert, and Robert, 
you know, he's hard to get to, you know, he's got people around who protect him, but he kind of seemed oh, to yeah. like us. <laughs> and then the weird thing was he phoned me out of the blue. He had my number anyway. And I got a phone call one Sunday evening. It was Robert England. I was like, Shit, Robert England's on the phone. And he was just so nice on the phone. He was like, listen, I'm going to be in London in two weeks' time. I want you to come and meet me and um, I'll take you back from me and we'll have a conversation. And, we, and he did, you know, we went to like a posh hotel where, you know, the food was actually like that big, you know, a bit of, mm. bit of meat, cost about 60 quid. He paid, which was good. Um, <laughs> and it was kind of then I sat there thinking, God, you know, as a kid, I'd love Don Kofa, you know, and that was kind of weird how I met Don. And mm -hmm. it was weird that, you know, I'd get weekly phone calls from him and he came literally, I can say to people, like a family member. So that mm -hmm. relationship completely changed. So it was different. When I watched Return of Living Dead, it wasn't Don on the screen. It sounds daft, you know, because I knew Don, yeah. the person. It was really mm -hmm. just sitting there with, with Robert, really, going, this is Freddy Krueger and this is the guy I had on my wall as a kid. This is the guy when I was exchanging VHSs with, in year one at primary school and you know was allowed to watch horror films so early and i mm -hmm. had action figures of him and now he's sitting in front of me just chatting with his wife like we're old friends and that <laughs> was that that was when it hit me and it sounded and again yeah. it sounds really daft that it took that much time i think because once you do start a documentary you just get kind of lost in it a little bit and like mm -hmm. when we did when we did fright night and was over in la we shot like um 30 interviews in in two weeks and robocop we shot 16 three weeks and it was just like it was like a conveyor belt of people coming in, and, you, mm. and it sounds daft again. You just it you're there to do a job, so you kind of forget, and you and you you lose the fanboyness as well. To be honest, it sounds really weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You kind of lose that, and you know, and I was a big fanboy before, uh, but Robert, I was still fanboying over when he came into the room because I, was like, you know, this is Freddy Krueger, you know, the yeah. the ultimate horror icon. Really, you know, you think of Christopher Lee, you think of Vincent Price and Peter Cushing, but you've got. For, you know, you've got Robert there. I think mm -hmm. in 20 years' time, 30 years' time, he's going to be up there. He's now, but he's going to be, you know, completely in line with those people. So that was, again, a weird experience. It took a long time. Yeah. And that wasn't, yeah, that was, yeah, that's nothing to do with ego or anything like that or kind of arrogance. It's just because, no, no. you know, you, you're doing a job basically. Just, just, you know, you, you know, the stress of mm -hmm. trying to work on a project, you, you have to forget about, you know, all the yeah. kind of like, the, you know, the fandom. You want to get this person interviewed. You only got a limited amount of time and you want to get the questions you want them gone because the next person's yeah. coming in so you lose yeah. that experience really of people for us like um so when like like yourself we grew up watching lost boys uh, cry little sisters probably one like it was the first song on my ipod right so when we met with jeton mac and then we actually became you know we started doing his documentary and he was over here we were filming. It didn't seem like I was like you, like you say. It, it's at the back of your head because you've got yeah. the the job comes first. But then after the, the our, like three days of filming, where uh, we all went out to dinner and we're sitting there, and I'm mm. sitting there like having a pint, drinking a beer with yeah, you, Tom Mac, right? Yeah. And I'm saying to him like because he's telling me bits and bobs about the new Lost Boys TV series, which is really wrapped up like it's under wraps and stuff, and he's giving me like some yeah. bits of info, right? And I'm like. And I'm like, no, I, I disagree with this, G. I'm like, I think G yeah. don't be more like this. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm sitting here drinking a pint, yeah, telling yeah. G Tom Mac how I would love how I would love the new Lost Boys series to go. And that for me was like, it was kind of surreal. And it's weird. It is. Yeah. It's the moments, isn't it? It's the moments that you kind of capture, and it's they're like little marbles that you put in your pocket. Everything yeah, yeah. else just kind of just work. But then when you go back to kind of look through all your wee marbles, it's amazing to kind of look back at them. Oh look, there's G Mac. Oh, there's back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
the, <clears throat> I'm in a, a, a kind of country house in the middle of nowhere, and it looks like the Wi-Fi just. Oh. I just thought you. I just thought you're bored. J <laughs> Mac, J Mac. If I'm oh, right, if I'm correct, your question was going to be what? How does that make you correct? <laughs> because I already asked the question. I already asked the question, thinking I know how, assuming, how you yeah, operate. So what was the, the first moment you thought, "Oh my God, I'm actually doing this"? Yeah, yeah, that's like, what the question yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. So I'm, I, I, I'm glad I, I got to not find out the answer. So <laughs> <laughs> I just, 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 you'll never watch it. One little extra bit. I mean, I remember going to see Ken Cranham at a convention in about 2002 or three in Birmingham. I remember shaking because it was Ken. You know, and I went up to get his autograph, and I was, you know, like fanboying, and I was really nervous. And I was out, I was out sad. I even painted him a paint a picture, <laughs> I did a painting of him as Chanar. And I look back, I think you sad loser. And I handed <laughs> it to him, and, and he gave me an autograph for free because of his painting. And now mm. you'll get a phone call off Ken, just like a random phone call where he's talking nothing. Just, just going, "Hello, darling. How are you? How is COVID?" You're like, that's 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 that Doctor Chenard from Hellraiser calling me about bloody COVID. It's that's like insane, just, it? it's just weird. It's just a strange. It's, you know, again, when you start thinking about it, actually, you, you get the little moments as you said, you know, and mm -hmm. it's 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 kind of it's. And we've interviewed now probably over two two hundred fifty people now from the films we love and. It's strange that you've got a connection with these people, mm -hmm. you know, and mm. and you become like like Paul has you, but you become part of this kind of mythology. Really, and I came really embedded in Return of the Living Dead. You know, I did the book, I did obviously the the two books, I did documentary. I've done screenings with the cast. I was invited to a screening in LA where we did a screening of Return of the Living Dead, and I was on the stage with the cast. And I was thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I on the stage with them? <laughs> and and they were like just treating me as part of the crew. It's really weird. And people were asking me questions. I was thinking. Well, you know, I was like three years old when that film was made, and I'm, I'm being asked questions about the making of it. It's fine. I'm hanging a minute, but but it's how you're treated by the papers. But I think when you, you love something, and you know, your experience obviously on Lost Boys, and mm -hmm. and obviously doing a documentary as well, it, it's they know you love the film, and you're doing it for the right yeah. reasons. So they they bring you into that family. Then, if they mm -hmm. think you're doing it to make money and doing it to you know make a name for yourself, I think there's a different experience there. And you do find an yeah. interview. Sometimes they think you're there just for the cash. And then when they realise you're not, because there's not a lot of money in it, and you love the film and you know the film inside out. I mean, we did the Police Academy doc, and I didn't mm -hmm. have any questions. I, it was all in my head, and it was going, how do you not have any questions written down? Because I know the film's inside out, and I just was reading them off. And think, I, thought, I, didn't, I sat there without an iPad. They kind of like warmed me really fast then. And it was, you know, mm -hmm. it was kind of, again, it was this, a strange, surreal experience being there with Captain Harris and Lieutenant Proctor. Strange. Mm -hmm. But you kind of yeah. lose them. You, you lose their moments. It's, re it's weird. Mm -hmm. They really can yeah, tell actually, the, the actors, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so I'd heard um, uh, a previous podcast that you were doing, you were talking about that, Doc, and the fact that um, Steve Gutenberg wasn't initially kind of interested in no. in taking part, and you had it eventually came on board. What, what actually happened there? Uh, it, it, it was a real weird situation, Steve Gutenberg one was, because he straight away said no. And we thought it was about money. It was never about money. Uh, we found out subsequently what it was. He didn't want, he was really worried about revisiting the films because he didn't want them to lose their kind of like, how can you put it? Their, you, you know, there ever time in 1984 to 19, was it 1997? And he felt that revisiting would obviously open some things, especially with the way we are now with society being quite woke. And those films are very much carry on, touchy feely, bums and willies, yeah. you know what I mean? And I think he was really, <laughs> yeah. I think he was concerned about that. But what happened is, you know, it was so strange. We got invited to a 
well, we got in touch with Stephen. We're in LA, and he invited us to this signing. It was at, it's called a Hollywood signing event. And he invited us there. And we're thinking, God, we're going to get this interview. We're going to get it. And we got there, and he hugged us, and he knew us straight away, and he introduced us to cast and crew. We thought we we're going to get this interview, and he still didn't want to do it. And was like, you just invited us to a signing event. We've allowed to, you've allowed us to film you, sign autographs, but you won't do an interview. And in the end, it was basically Adam Goldberg from the Goldberg TV show that got him on board mm-hmm. for us because he basically, you know, talked to Steve and said, listen, you know, I'm involved with this documentary as well. He was executive producing it. You know, we want you on board. And then he kind of came around then. And then he really enjoyed it. And he gave a three and a half hour interview, really. And oh. what what happened then was we'd already done the edit. The edit's been done about a year. The edit's been done. But when Steve came on board, we had to re-edit the whole lot because suddenly this narrative voice came in play. And even mm-hmm. though Steve's not in five, six, and seven, and the TV series and the cartoon series, for the previous films, obviously, he, he became kind of the voice of the, of the series, along with Paul Maslansky. So it was brilliant having him, and it was he was a tricky customer to get on board. But once we got him, he, I said he was he was brilliant. He was he's such a nice guy. Oh, God. That's crazy. Same yeah. happened with Weller. Same happened with Peter Weller. We interviewed Peter mm. Weller literally three months ago. That, that's taken five years, literally five years to get him. Wow. You it know. can take some time wow. to get like like so we've done <laughs> yeah. this podcast nearly three years. Uh, I've reached out to everybody that I've ever wanted on a show. I keep on ignoring <laughs> you. I mean, you've asked you've asked me seventeen times. When Paul and John Campio piano are on it, I mean. <laughs> I mean, you're getting desperate and you're asking John to come on your podcast. You know what I mean? And you haven't asked me. What's going on? We actually met We met John at a oh. convention, at the Lost Boys convention, actually, where we met the Lost Boys. And uh, it was he basically had a suit that looks almost like the one you've got behind you. And uh, that attracted us to <laughs> say, hey, what's this all about? And he was like, well, I, I was given this from a lady, etc. And then... <laughs> Then we we're yeah. like, all right, tell tell us that story. And then he was like, well, we're working on, we're also working on a documentary about it. And what we liked about John Campbell Piano is he's very like us, like yourself. He likes the older style kind of horror. Yeah, and, he does, yeah, and yeah. it's a good conversation. Eh? Uh, so yeah, we we had him on. And then fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, um, G Tom Mac was like, hey guys, my um, good friend Paul's doing another rerun on the on the Lost in the Shadows. Um, you guys should get him on your podcast. I was like, fucking, I already knew who he was. I was like, hook us up. <laughs> and then and then the rest is history. It must, it must have been a quiet month, mustn't it, for you? <laughs> I mean, we, a lot of our uh, celebrity interviews come when we travel, uh, and that's yeah. pretty much towards the end of the year for us. When it comes to reaching out to people like Danielle Harris, who, like, along yeah. with Robert England and all that, like, for us, those are kind of like, wow. If we could get them, that'd be yeah. amazing. Because like yourself, when you're talking to someone about something that you love that you've grown up with and you, the movie franchise itself almost is like a sibling, I think that creates something special. And it's different from the, let's get Daniel Harris on because she's a name that would work and it might bring some traffic to our channel. It's not for those reasons. It's because we genuinely want to know like how how what it was like to be, for me, Someone like Daniel Harris, like I watched the first the first Halloween movie I watched was like four because yeah. when I was a kid, my cousin had the videotape. I didn't have the, first, the the original one. So four was what it was. So for me, Daniel Harris was Laurie Strode. She was my Laurie Strode. And she was about, when I watched it, she was the same age as me. She's older yeah. than me, but at the time I watched it, she wasn't the person on the screen. So 
stuff like that for me that's why i think some of the the guests we really want to see uh, it happens face to face rather than because you can't well, yeah. convey that in an email like i'd really love to talk to you how many people say that eh? I, I can ask robert for you. i can't promise anything but i can ask you <laughs> I can send him an email you never know <laughs> just ask him to respond to 50 of ours <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got it! You've, you've got it! You've got to get through to the right person, Robert. And the person you get through is his yeah. wife, Nancy. Oh, no she, you don't go through the management. You, Nancy, he's he's the gatekeeper of Robert, and Nancy's oh. got to like you before she allows you to speak to Robert. We and should have Nancy us. on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but she, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I met I met Robert England at the the first convention I ever went to. It was it was uh, Collector Mania. Um, okay, back yeah. In, it was in Glasgow in 2000 and something and uh, I remember just I'd paid to to get an autograph and I walked up to him and I said um, any chance I, I can get a, a photograph of you and I, I didn't know the etiquette of conventions at that point so now you're supposed to pay for the photograph separate and stuff and uh, he was just he was just like yeah sure and then his handler was like, was like Robert you can't yeah. you can't do that and he's like, he's like, fuck you, I'm taking a picture. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this guy. <laughs> he needs a man. He literally, he, he put his hands, he put his hands around my neck and stuck his yeah. tongue right next to me. And <laughs> wow. that's that what that, that, that's what I like about Robert. You know, and same as Don. You know, I did some conventions with Don Kaufer, uh, mm. and he he would talk to everybody for like twenty minutes, and you know, and there'd be queues of people. And whereas I remember behind us at one show was Henry Winkler, the funds. And literally, he's yeah. like, sign, go, sign, go, sign, go. And, and then there's Don, literally having a chat, taking photographs, talking about what he'd eaten that morning. Mm -hmm. And I think, and Robert's the same. I did a show in Germany, and I was too worried. To, I mean, this was just prior to doing a documentary and actually meeting Robert properly. And he was over the other side. I was trying to like, get the courage up to meet him before, obviously, we engaged with him. And uh, the queue was random, like, for three days nonstop. And it's because he was talking to every single person, giving them five, ten minutes of his time, and that's what people like about Robert. He cares about the fans. Yeah, he's getting money. Of course, he's and that's you know that's a big kind of thing for him. But you get you get your money's worth out of Robert. You really do. That's amazing. You yeah. know, um, one thing that backs up that that how down to earth he is. Uh, I was sitting watching Come Down with me with my oh, wife. Yeah, Have you yeah, seen? Yeah. It? Yeah. <laughs> he makes some cheese on top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like a lump. Yeah, yeah. I remember that episode. <laughs> I was like, no way. Well, yeah. I actually, I don't watch it that much, but my wife was like, she knows how much I love uh, Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street. And she's like, come, is that that guy you like? I was like, ah, that's that guy. And I sat and watched it. And I was just like, God, that's just, I think that's, it's, it's the movie, the movie star equivalent of a rock star, isn't it? Oh, like, he is definitely. Cheese, cheese and toast. Yeah, and yeah. you like it a lump it. They're all making these gourmet meals and that. It's like, ha, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he lost though, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I just I think the guys just like all the kind of and, and the cool thing about Robert England as well is he like when you look at Jason uh Jason Voorhees you've had Kane Hodder and different yeah. people playing him Michael Myers you've had Nick Castle Tommy Lee Wallace again uh Tyler Main different people playing him there is one Freddy Krueger you know that's, yeah and I think that's the problem with Robert and mm -hmm. Norman Street is that Inevitably, there'll be another remake. Of course, there's going to be, obviously, I know the, the other one flopped. But the problem is, Robert is Freddy. Because mm -hmm. Rob, you, you see Robert through the makeup, you see through his eyes, you see through every kind of movement that he makes. And I think that's where it's going to be so difficult 
to do another Freddy film without Robert being in it. I think they just need to suck it up and put Robert in it. You know, and it's need to. I mean, the end. I know he's like, you know, he's seventies now, but Freddy Krueger. You know, you can, that much CGI you can use now and you know, animatronics. You just have him like, you know, it's meant to be a dream world anyway. Isn't it supposed to be? You want Freddy? Mm -hmm. Just says like Freddy, have him back. Why? Why not have Robert back in it? And I think yeah, if I mean, you in it. Sorry, go on. It's, it's He's just got he's got such a distinctive face, do you know? Yeah, like, yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah. The, the features of his nose and lips, like the, his mouth takes a certain shape when he's talking. Yeah, come to Freddy, that sort yeah. of stuff, and it, it only works with him. With yeah, uh, was it Jack Jack Earl Haley that played him in the remake? Yeah, it just it just didn't work. That's Rorschach. Yeah. yeah, I just think I just think anybody who would have played him would have would have suffered the same as him. I think you know, there's talk about Kevin Bacon wanting to play him stuff like that, play Freddy, but. When Robert's still alive, I don't see why he wouldn't use him when he's still able to do it. And I think you're right. He's, he's Freddy Krueger, and that's the unfortunate thing. But you look at Jason, it's a, it's a mask. And people love Kane Harder because it, it's a certain movement, isn't it, that he has and mm -hmm. a certain grace that he has. Same as Pinhead as well, really. You know, for, mm -hmm. for all you know, um, issues I've had in the past with Doug, <laughs> he, uh, he, he, no one else can play Pinhead other than, other than, than Doug, mm -hmm. really, because there's a grace to him. And I think that's the thing, you know, um, you, you don't, don't, if you can't have Robert, don't do it. Just don't bother. Yeah. Wait till Robert's yeah. passed and then do it. And you, you justify doing it then if, you know, if Robert can't do it physically. Do you even know what I mean? then, even then, they had Peter Cushion in a, a, a recent Star Wars movie. There's no reason that. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So why not have Robert England while he's. We're all talking like he's going to die in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> like, if he's still I, able to, then that, why not? That freaks me out. That totally freaks me out, man. I, like, I, I know that sometime in the next 10 or 20 years, a new Bruce Lee film's going to come out. And if it fucking Yeah, you're right. Out, yeah, it's going to be. I, I, I know, read somewhere recently, isn't there a film with James Dean coming out? A, a completely CGI James Dean or something. I was reading mm. a few months ago. That the resurrecting, yeah, yeah, it's like mm. uh, they're resurrecting him. That sounds like well, an episode well, of well, you're not digging him up. <laughs> 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 get a car crashed in there. I think he's a few pieces, probably. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you were saying there that you had like a, you've had kind of some troubles there with the guy from uh, Hellraiser. What have been some of your best moments and some of your not so best moments on working on any kind of these projects with the people that you idolized on the, on the big screen? I think the, uh, the the issue probably had with with Doug wasn't so much Doug really. It was basically the whole kind of mythology around Clive Barker was the problem on Hellraiser mm. because yeah. Clive was ill at the time we made the documentary. He was very ill, and Clive was surrounded by a group of kind of like people in America who were literally fleecing him. They'd gone there; they've all been sacked. So I can say it, and they were literally kind of controlling him completely, regards to what the output was and who mm. was he was allowed to be interviewed. And we've been told we spoke to uh, Clive's partner Johnny. And uh, we were told, yeah, he wants to do the interview. We can we advertise? Yeah, we can promote. We we're promoting the hell out of it. And then his management people got a hold of it. Go, no, he's not doing it. Well, we've been told he can't. No, he's not doing it. And I think what happened then is some of the cast then kind of got reluctant to be involved with us because of that, particularly with Doug. Really, so Doug had already been interviewed already with us already. I think, and he kind of he said yes because I think he thought Clive was going to be involved. And I think he kind of took it. We had, a, we had a weird experience with him when we went to we was doing a you know we had a good interview with him and he's great in the doc when a few years later we were in uh sheffield doing a convention and uh sheffield horicon uh what was it called horicon it was something like that it's a really good show <laughs> my favorite ones but anyway it's in sheffield and uh um he was there and i went up to him you know to say hello it's gary smart blah and he was just really cold with me i'm really cold and i said you know i've got some 
Blu-ray DVDs of Leviathan, the documentary, if you want some for mm. free. No thanks. I think, he, he, yeah, he was kind of like, you know, people, that was selling out. And I thought, you know, I was going to prepare to give him a box of them to put on with him. And he could assign. It's what he was very kind of like um, cold towards us, really. Um, and it was it was a shame, really, because we had, you know, we had a good experience on the, on the day. But I think because of what happened with, with Clive after, he kind of maybe was kind of felt he'd been kind of maybe shafted a little bit by us, that we kind of got him on false pretenses, which we hadn't, you know. Mm. Uh, but then, you know, that that's probably only negativity we've ever only ever had i think on all the projects we've worked on we've it's all been positive you know we've we've had some frosty moments where you know we pulled the home and went to his house and he was very cold with us at first and we were setting up and he was sitting eating his cornflakes just staring at us then once the interview started he was brilliant he was gold and he was he was great and he got really engaged with us and he signed loads of posters and dvds and all this kind of stuff for us um and it, yeah you see we've, we've been very very lucky i think you know and even like the battle we're trying to get Peter for that five-year battle of trying to get him, he was always polite, and professional with us. He was always he was always courteous towards us. He was always polite and emails to me. I was dealing directly with him, and he was always nice as pie. You know what I mean? And we met him in Manchester, and he was great with us. Uh, and it was just obviously negotiations that we had to do with him to finally get him. Um, so no, I think you know, looking back, we've been very very lucky. Again, I think said to you before, the reason I think we've been lucky is because we've always gone into it with the love of those films. You know, we, we're yeah. choosing the films that we love. We're not going, Let's, what can we make some money on? Let's mm -hmm. do a documentary on, you know, Fast and the Furious, because there's loads of fans for that. And I'm, I'm a particular fan of those films. But let's, you know, we're doing it because I love Fright Night. Chris mm -hmm. loved Robocop. I love Return of the Living Dead. I loved Hellraiser. You know, that's why we're doing these. I love Police Academy and, you know, and, and it. They know you love these films, and then you can start quoting stuff to them, and you start knowing what they've been in. Like I sit there, Ronnie mm. Cox, saying all the films he's been in, really geeking out on him, but in a professional geek out. Yeah, they actually be very appreciative because every actor's got an ego, as we know. And you you start talking about their career. So we've been we've been lucky. Touchwood. I'll say this now, and next one we'll do. We'll probably be killed by someone. <laughs> <laughs> just just when you mentioned that Ronnie Cox, there, like for me, Ronnie Cox has always been a bad guy. Yeah. I didn't know that. Robocop was pretty much his first his first bad guy, yeah, yeah. Playing a bad guy, and for but for me, he always had been. Um, yeah, you think like Beverly, Beverly Hills Cop, he was playing the good guy, you know, he was the, the captain of the I police. Hadn't seen, yeah, I hadn't yeah. seen that until way after I seen Robocop. Yeah. So when I seen it, when I seen it, I was like, he's going to be a bad guy, and it just yeah, it yeah. wasn't. <laughs> it's um, weird, yeah, yeah. It's kind of that was a turning point in his career, really, playing that kind of like. You know, as you said, you know, he was always playing the, the, the cop or the lawyer or, you know, and he was kind of typecast a little. Because after Deliverance, he was in Deliverance. He was a really nice guy in Deliverance, wasn't he? You know, mm. that film with Burt Reynolds and Ned Beatty. And then he, um, he suddenly <laughs> became... Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> your favourite scene. Um, but then, but then he, he, does Robo, he does Robocop and then suddenly he's the bad guy forever then. Yeah, uh, and, but yeah. then that typecasting is not a problem, you know, about boring you. Part of the documentary and icon, uh, which is now called Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, it's called now the Robert England story. That, um, we talk about that, you know, we talk about he's being Freddy Krueger, a curse to Robert, you know, he's being typecast in that character. When you look at Robert's early career, he was always playing the sidekick, the Joker, you know, the, the nerd, and then suddenly he becomes this horror icon, which essentially Freddy Krueger is a child molesting killer, serial killer. But then he becomes a character and a cartoon character, kind of to a degree. And then, but that typecast Robert's career in horror was that a curse or a blessing? To find mm -hmm. out the answer, watch the documentary. 
<laughs> Mate, I can't wait. Oh, we especially, we will, we're yeah. going to actually. We will. Uh, we've got a few trailers here for a lot of the documentary you've got bringing up. There's a uh, the comment section is actually going quite quite heavy here. Uh, J Mac, you can read out this one here for uh, Gary. Uh, I'll try my best, but again, this is on my phone and my <laughs> this eyesight. Why is I shit. asked them? <laughs> I'm not doing it, man. I can't. Uh, All right, hang on. It says pre Lost in the Shadows. I saw Summer in the Lost Boys front. What I can't do this, man. Sorry. Yeah, she says the Lost Boys font one Saturday and freaked out. I assumed Gary was Paul. Gary sent me to Paul. We spoke oh, yeah. every night for six months. So thank you, Gary. This was the teaser. I think we did obviously and we just put summer in the font of undercut screenings right. of um of uh Lost Boys font. Yeah, uh, that's what it was. Right. Yeah. Oh brilliant. Um Neil Morris says your awakening moment was when you met me. Neil is, Neil is the co-writer and co-creator of Dark Ditties, but he's old. Oh, brilliant. We can't show him because, unfortunately, Neil's got a face like we describe it as Alan Sugar's ballsack. So we can't. We can't <laughs> Neil's across Neil's across between Sid James and Gordon Ramsay with a touch of Judge Rinder. So we can't have Neil on ever. <laughs> Class, I need to see uh, what this guy looks like now. <laughs> Freddie, Beer, uh, Freddie Beer says, Gary, I told Paul your books would sell in not 0.2 seconds. Never underestimate the Lost Boys fandom. Absolutely not. Eh? It, uh, worked for, got... it worked for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert is Freddy. Absolutely agree. Deep fake tech in the future. I think that's in regards to... Yeah, Robert, yeah. If... Um, Imagine that. Imagine they do use Robert England when he's gone. It's like, you had him for so long yeah, and you chose exactly, Rorschach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why flop. There's going to be there is going to be a film made at some point that's just fully dead people. It's going to yeah happen. yeah yeah yeah. Mm. You're right. You're, you're, be... you're going to you're going to have uh, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, uh, Bruce Lee, fucking Robin Williams, all in the same film for yeah. mm. no apparent reason. Mm. Uh, Danny <laughs> Rose Blank says, "Good evening, guys, from all the Lost Boys and girls out here. Hey, the, the Lost Boys crew are officially uh, in." Yeah. Uh, and Heather Dow. This Heather Dow, by the way, is our merch lady and also Jordan's twin sister. And she made Dark Ditties. Um, I'd say go to uh, cultscreens.co.uk to buy <laughs> yeah. one, but you have to take out a big Gary. <laughs> yeah. She says, it must be hard not to come across just as a fan asking questions to being professional asking questions about something you're passionate about. By the way, we can kind of touch on that, J-Mac. Do you remember when you met, and Gary, you might even know this movie. So we met Carla, Caroline Monroe, who ha she's a Bond girl, yeah, right? But she was also in At the Earth's Core with yeah. Peter Cushing. Yeah. And uh, now Jordan, uh, J-Mac, is a big fan of that, right? And had a hell of a crush on her, right? So we interviewed her. And I happened to tell her, you know, he really fancies you and all this. And yeah, we managed happened, to happen to tell her. You planned to tell her the moment we fucking got in there. You planned on telling her that I had a crush on her. That was just that, that was top of your agenda. So I'm telling her. I'm telling her. But but because we conducted ourselves in, in, in a professional manner and had a joke kind of way where she was very open to our yeah. like we just like we're very comfortable here it was like that and it was great uh and then we kind of we went on to do our, our other things that day but we watched as like there was a, a fan there and he was like what was he like here pulling out stuff and he's like can you shine that yeah. and he was very he made her feel very uncomfortable by the stuff that he was saying and you could see her body language change there yeah. is a fine line between that and i think as long as you kind of treat someone as I think you need to hit that sweet spot. As long as you're not treating someone like a 
like they are some sort of deity, so to yeah. speak, and that they're human. You need you still need to kind of keep that human aspect of you're talking to someone like you would normally. That, that, that works with, with the docs, you know. You you mm -hmm. you try and beforehand, obviously, before you ask the questions, or even when you start asking the questions, you try mm. and ask some general questions, really. About yeah. you tell them about obviously you know, how much of a fan you are, being a very professional, what films you like. And so mm -hmm. ask, you know, and I think you make you need to make them feel comfortable because you once they feel comfortable, you get the gold then. What yeah. you don't want, as we talked the other day, you don't want is ask so many questions going, So what was it like filming and turning them and go, it was good. Do you remember <laughs> do you remember that scene with Don Kaifer? Yes. You don't yeah. want that. But also what you do as well is you you kind of you gotta do your research as well. So when you ask a question, mm -hmm. you'll go, you know, during the scene we've you know in Return of the Dead when the time and attacks um Spider, for argument's sake. Mm -hmm. uh, Miguel mentioned this story, and he said, "Blah blah blah blah." Do you recall this story? Can you elaborate on it? And he gets mm -hmm. a little thing in their brain, then, and they think, and they start thinking, "This guy knows what he's talking about." Yeah, and absolutely. it becomes a conversation piece. Then it's nothing mm -hmm. worse, and people going, "Yep, yep, yeah." Uh, honestly, <laughs> yeah, you get it. You get it when you go to conventions as well. Like you'll see. Oh, um, for no. example, I don't know. Like Carl, Carl Weathers is on stage, and somebody goes, "What would it like working with Sylvester Stallone?" You're yeah. Like, Really? Come on, man. You, just, you had you, one, yeah, one exactly, opportunity yeah, yeah. to ask one question, and that's what you did. <laughs> we try we try and do that in the docs. We, we, of course, you've got to ask the traditional doc questions. We've also mm -hmm. got to ask the questions about it, – it's about the art of, of you know, the character and the story, you know, the influences that people had and what their motivations were. And I know it's a cliche, what's your motivation? But it, it, it's still, you know, you, if you know a little bit about the trivia – you ask that question in, in a very kind of like conversational way instead of just being direct like that. I mean, how many times people heard the same question? What's it like working Roddy McDowell on Friday night? They would have, mm. people get bored of that question and it's all the same answer. He was great. Mm. He was a really nice man. Brilliant. Yeah. But yeah. Give, give him a story that you've read in Fangoria from 1986, mm -hmm. you know, and you've done your research and give him that story and go, you know, I've heard this, this happened mm. on set. And they go, oh, you got to remember as well, people, for us, it's fresh because we're fans. For them, mm. they did that film 30 years ago. They can't remember what happened on the set. Really, yeah. they can't. And most people's stories are regurgitated stories from other people on Q&As. Mm. And you, you see that happen quite a lot. You'll see mm. people answering questions. And you go, I've heard that story literally word for word from somebody else. Because mm. it, it becomes a norm now how big conventions are. Yeah. Did you see um, Thomas, Thomas F. Wilson's song that he wrote about the questions he gets asked about Back to the Future? No, no. Oh, yeah, I did actually, yeah, a few years ago, yeah. It's hilarious. Uh, for anybody that hasn't seen it, watch it. It's Tom, Tom, yeah. Tom F. Wilson, or Tom Wilson, uh, Back to the Future song, and it's, it's hilarious. What's is that the guy? The guy like? He's a nice he, guy. He was, he yeah, he was Biff. Biff. yeah, 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 I've yeah. seen that video, yeah. Mm, uh, um, yeah. Make sure, you, Kevin, if you've not seen that, watch it. It's really funny. Um, but it's, it's, basically, it. it's basically that. It's just like, stop asking me the same shit yeah, yeah. over and over again. I'm so fed up of it. And, it, and asking... <laughs> Asking somebody who's who's an actor in their own right, constantly asking them about working with other people is just insulting yeah, after a it while. Is, yeah, it is, yeah. It mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Uh, one of the actors who probably never gets asked what was it like working with other people is Robert England. We're going to play now the trailer for Icon, which is going to be renamed. Um, but this, uh, when is Icon out? Is it, is it? Well, we've literally finished the edit now. So, but mm -hmm. we've but we were supposed to be doing a final interview with Robert in July mm -hmm. when he was in the UK. But obviously, that's been cancelled. That event has now. Right. So we're going to have to outsource it, unfortunately, because obviously mm -hmm. we we're not going to be able to go over the states in the summer. So that mm -hmm. should be out probably about. Um, 
January of the latest, I'm hoping. Oh, nice. um, it's a little bit far off, but I said because we've got to go through the whole kind of like legal stuff now with it. Mm-hmm. But the edit's done, and it's now called Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert England mm-hmm. story. I actually cannot wait. And you know what? We might even uh, we might even screen it through here. We've got a local cinema, and if, uh, oh, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. if we can do it, then there's a there's enough fans over here uh, up in Scotland that would, oh, be, would yeah. definitely come and do that. Uh, so I'm going to play the trailer now. I love movies, always. I'm a character actor. I think sometimes an actor just gets a bead on it off, off the script. And sometimes you can see the character in your mind's eye and everything's okay. I'm for hire, I'm, you know, this gun for hire. Horror chose me. So it was kind of unique that my biggest success has been in the horror genre. Oh man! Oh, oh man! Oh, we can choose. We've interviewed for that. We've got. We've interviewed Steve Johnson, Peter Atkins, uh, Heather Langenkamp. We've interviewed um, Mick Garris, uh, Lance Henriksen, um, mm. Edward Furlong. Uh, Mate, Edward to, Furlong. Yeah, yeah he went to, his, went to his house. Edward Furlong. Yeah. Uh, who else? Do we inter- oh, list goes on and on of people who have been involved in Icon Kane Hodder. Um, yeah, yeah. There was about fifty people involved in that project, I believe. Tony like Todd, yeah, yeah. Tony I Todd. I like how you say them. Kane Hodder, there is that really just to kind of get the because it's really cool to ask other horror icons about that horror because it's one of those things. It's like uh, you always assume that they're like oh, uh, uh, because they're they're opposite each other, but really it's really a community. No, it's a family. Yes, yeah, community. Mm. So we we interviewed. We, you know, we've interviewed. Um, oh, my head's going blank tonight. <laughs> uh, Bill Bill Mosley, sorry, Bill uh-huh. Mosley. Uh, Bill Mosley. Yeah. He he hasn't started Robert, but he's done a lot of conventions with him. But he also yeah. he also played a character that Robert played in two thousand and one Maniac sequel. So Robert played a character Mayor Bookman in the first one, and then Robert mm-hmm. couldn't do the second one. So Bill played him. So we going to interview him about that, and Lynn Shea as well we interviewed. But we interviewed Kane because well, one he's an icon himself, mm-hmm. the same as Tony Todd, but also both of them starred with Robert in Wishmaster. And also, we've got that whole kind of story now about what happened on Freddy versus Jason because mm-hmm. Kane was originally supposed to be in it. And we've got the kind of boat. And it's a real nice little bit, actually, because you've got the side where Robert's obviously, you know, really eager to do it. And for years and years, that Kane and Robert wanted to work together. And then it all fell through. And obviously, Kane was replaced. But you've got this nice moment where kind of Kane says, you know, at the end of the day, Robert had to do it because he's Freddy. You know, I don't hold any grudges. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, we kind of got the record set really straight finally on that kind of why they didn't you know why Kane wasn't in it so that's a nice little part of Duck I think where people are reflecting back on you know the crap that happens in filmmaking unfortunately you know I am I'm about to essentially read a book about that and it's called Horror Icons something like that I'm reading one that's called uh, Taking Shape which is about like all the Halloween movies yeah but here see something like this could you imagine one of these right with yourself and Paul that was purely about everything to do with freddy versus jason from the moment know, that God, uh, yeah, yeah. mate from the moment that F- F- freddy's hand pops up at yeah, the end yeah, yeah. Of, right up till the that oh man that i read thing. i read a, i read a couple of scripts as well and it was um kind of like which were were going to be made for Freddy versus Jason. It was weird mm. ones, and it was like one about a cult, and it was basically his priest bought Freddy, uh, bought Jason back, and Freddy came back into it, and then it was a strange one. But obviously, then there's a whole kind of like alternative ending on Freddy versus Jason where Pinhead was in it. 
you know, mm -hmm. in, in, in the original script, they were meant to be fighting in hell, and then suddenly these chains then come out of nowhere, hook both Freddy and Jason, and then <laughs> Pinhead comes out and says, gentlemen, please, uh, let's, you know, let, let's not do this yet. And that's going to be the end of the film. It's like, why didn't you do that? You know, why didn't you have that's, Pinhead? Yeah. That's, the, that's the horror yeah. expendable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, at least, yeah, yeah. And that was, <laughs> but it was, you know, and that was obviously copyright stuff like that. Obviously, all oh, come deals, on, deals yeah. couldn't be being done. And then, but then there's a the whole thing about Freddie versus Jason versus Ash, which was supposed to have been done. Freddie versus <laughs> Jason versus Michael Myers, which was meant to be done as well. You know, and I just think, I think the good thing about Freddie versus Jason was it kind of that world fitted quite nicely. And I think it would have helped. It would have been nice to have Pinhead at the end, but I think. Mm it kind of worked really well that film did and it was kind of nice it was a one-off and it was done and i love that film i think it's a, it's a great film freddie versus jason mate it is absolutely brilliant i don't i've have yeah. heard people shit on it yeah uh, it's weird but it's, it's but robert's amazing it's, it's robert's last proper forte you know into freddie did the goldberg's episode but that was like a spoof wasn't it but mm. you know he it's it's the it's last time we probably will see robert as freddie fingers crossed it isn't but yeah I love even even the the ending. Obviously, you were talking about the alternative ending, but even the ending just with the yeah. fact that you think, oh, J Jason's won, and then and he just wins, that, yeah, wink. yeah. Oh, and that, it just it leaves it open for more as well. And yeah, you know, yeah. Like, it, it's such a silly film, but it's such good fun, and it's the type of film that we could use more of. It um, was absolutely yeah. beautiful, and I think if there was a sequel and they brought in more horror icons, that yeah. that mate, would that not light a flame right under that kind of genre, and we would see it return. I really think, I really think it would. I mean, can you imagine this, right? Reading a built and you wake up in the morning and you go on Facebook or Twitter, and it says "breaking," just like those, like, yeah, like yeah. You can use. breaking. Robert England returns to the role of Freddy to take on Jason once again, and there's more. Oh man! The, the problem with that now is every morning you wake up, there's a breaking news, and it's about breaking Hellraiser remake. Never happens. <laughs> I mean, breaking Hellraiser TV series never happened. And now we did it again recently. Well, we cast this woman. I don't know who she is in the new Hellraiser uh, film, and we're going to have a female Pinhead. Okay, no, no issue. Pinhead was a female in the book, basically, so it's not an mm. issue. But it won't happen. You know, and it's yeah. just like, and that's the problem now. You'll get that news and everyone will get excited about, you know, Freddie's back. It just won't, it, it, they, they've seen, soon someone even whispers something about an idea. It's suddenly on the internet now. I want to see the production stills. That's when I know it's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to see the idea. Yeah. Michael Heat playing Batman. Again, I, I didn't believe it until I saw that picture in last week. And then you go, he's back as Batman, you know, or back as Bruce Wayne. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, 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 exactly. Again. I think um, <laughs> again, again. <laughs> there's, there's a big the, the whole the whole versus thing is actually something that, that I think should be kind of looked in there a bit more. There's mm -hmm. there's all these old comics like uh, Batman versus Predator and stuff exactly, like that. Yeah. That could be mm -hmm. so much fun as and and and, uh, could be beautiful. and like made any a real movie. Um, Do you know what I think? The, I think all it needs really, right? Apart from like a decent sized budget, right? And the 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 original cast is really the true heart of the the fan service i think that goes a long way i just watched the halloween kills um trailer yeah. right and i saw the silver shamrock masks and was like yeah yeah and and you know you know you, you know what irritating about that is it's like they're uh -huh. in the third they're in the other one he walks Which past the, the last one halloween the last one we did he walks past two kids wearing the masks uh -huh. There's a, yes, there's a scene there, yeah. And everyone's going, everyone's going mental, going, oh, the masks are back in it. He, that was How it, did I miss one. that? That's How lazy. Did I, miss that? Oh, I mean, no. at least what he should have done, they should have the doctor 
from uh -huh. Halloween three seasons, which um, Tom Atkins have him mm -hmm. back as that character. That'd be amazing if you come try and track down Michael Myers and you bring them world together then a little bit, Mate. you know. And see, see simple things like that though. Yeah, would, we yeah. appreciate that. We so appreciate. It. Even if you didn't like Season of the Witch, which by the way you'll come to I find us. Yeah. I'm so much more forgiven with movies than J Mac is, right? And I'll I'll defend something. If I, I loved it, it as a kid though. I loved it as a kid. Mate, you know, Season of the Witch isn't a terrible movie, right? No. I don't care who says it is. The concept is brilliant. Right, and see if it did work where it become an anthology and every single Halloween was something new, kind of yeah, like yeah. what Dark Ditties is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it had taken off, people would say it was the greatest thing they ever done, but yeah. because of it's like Michael Myers, they had kind of given you Michael Myers and taken him away too early. Yeah, people yeah, wanted Michael that, Myers, that right? Yeah, yeah. and I think, I think, see for the new Halloween. Which I think is they've done it unbelievable with. Uh, if they're setting that trend with horror, then absolutely. But yes. see for them to do that. See for them to do that. Just to just to go. We know it exists, and we're going to give you it. like in the very first one. You know, wasn't he her brother? Oh, that was just a rumor. Like, thank you. My for that. My, 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 my only irritation with the new uh -huh. one is, is that they. I think for me, loving mm -hmm. the character of Doctor Loomis, and I'm thinking, you know, yeah. and, and Donald Pleasance carried those films from forget about number three, from two to to six. He carried mm -hmm. those movies, and I think. Ignoring number two, I know it's the sister thing. I think I think they're, they're shitting on Donald Donald Pleasance's legacy a little bit. I think because mm. you know he did he kept that franchise franchise alive and he was that kind of returning actor in it and he, he did an amazing role. Now you're just ignoring that. I know it's a different. You know you can look at your different mm. kind of multiverses. I just think I wish they would have kind of acknowledged maybe two a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? And I just I think. Mm -hmm. I, no, do I, do I, do I don't get. Sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting you now. But I don't, I don't get. I don't get his what what reason and motivation does Laurie have to want to kill Michael? Really, in that film, because forty years ago he killed a best mate. Yeah, that happens. You know, you don't get someone going after Peter Sutcliffe, do you? You know, with a, with a, and setting up. You know, yeah, that doesn't happen. But the fact yeah. that if he if he was her sister, there's a reason. Then there's an as a whole reason that connection. There's no connection to him characters really, other than. Yeah, kill my best mate and a few other people 40 years ago. I haven't got over it. Well, I've, had, I've had a kid since, you know, I had a relationship. Oh, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like you're waiting for him to escape. No, you're not. I just think yeah. they kind of, that's the only bit I didn't like about it. I think. And that only... crappy doctor. No, no, I mean, for me, <laughs> hi, he was previous something. For, and he was, in, he was in EastEnders. He used to run the cafe back in 84. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not like a Marty's doctor. Anyway. <laughs> for me, um, I think that they rely on us as the audience to just allow it to be the Laurie Strode, Michael Myers, and um, because we are already yeah. aware of that chemistry, I think. Yeah, 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 and I think maybe even Michael's like, you know, this is the one that kind of got away, uh, but then that would have to assume that he's motivated, which originally he never he's, was. Yeah. You never knew he, anything. He was just. But the only reason he goes after her in that new film, she's after him with a little setup, thinking she's Rambo. The only reason why he goes after her <laughs> is because because that because EastEnders doctor. Takes him to her. That's the only yeah. reason why he doesn't know who she is. He's not going, oh, hello. She, he doesn't care. He doesn't, he, he doesn't care who she is. And it's like, you know, it's it just doesn't make sense for me that it's why she's so bothered. Yeah, he killed a mate. Yeah, and you know what I mean? Get over it, darling. Get some therapy. You know what I mean? Is this is the Halloween the Halloween franchise? Is that something that you think you'd ever? I do love it. I was just about to say that. I do love. I do love. That's amazing. You know. That's the re that's the new Michael Myers, so I can't yeah. slack it off too much. That's that's brilliant. I, I love... I, uh, 
to answer your question, we wouldn't touch Halloween. I think it's been, it's been touched too many times before in the sense of big documentaries and whatnot. And also, it's one of those franchises which is very protected. I mean, it really mm-hmm. protected. You know, if you, I've heard of nightmare stories where I've got friends who kind of make you know, pin badges and stuff like that. They've been at conventions and wear pins and their T-shirts and someone's come up to them with a, uh, a, a rip going basically cease and desist you know we're from so-and-so company you cannot exactly but i think <laughs> the, 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 you'll be getting one um, I think they're, very, they're, very, they're very protective over it i just think it's been it's been done it's been done a million yeah. times i think uh, the same as not me street it's just been done and we're lucky doing a robert england documentary but actually mm-hmm. our doc covers freddie but only a little bit because the documentary is meant to be about robert is more robert. than freddie you know mm-hmm. he's more than yeah. freddie krueger he comes back we start off with freddie middle is freddy and we end with freddy but mm-hmm. in the, the peppered frat obviously then he's obviously about his other career then yeah and uh so yeah i mean yeah there's stuff that you know i'd love to do but it's just it is pointless for us to be honest yeah, yeah. and do you find that when when it comes to like for example if Mac and i sat in a room right now and went let's go make a documentary about never ending story now i would 100 be all over that because i know every aspect from the you yeah. could hum a part of the the uh <laughs> the soundtrack and i'll t- i'll know exactly what's happening at the part you're humming right that's how much i know that but for us it's like right well so you you need to the stars really have to align for you to be able to do this and um, this is kind of something paul had kind of touched upon how do you find that when you decide right this is what i'm going to do i mean have you just decided i want to do this because i love it or is it have you fell into it because i think the the stars do have to align for you to be able to get to yeah the you know i, I mean, mean for I'll, uh, I'll quickly mention one thing. I'll go back then. Um, mm-hmm. yep. The one for me, obviously, which is, was completely left field for us, was Police Academy because I love that film. But it's not part of what mm-hmm. we are. We are. Um, Neil's not getting a shirt. Um, <laughs> we'll send you one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can buy, buy off their website. Yeah, Police Academy so left field for us. And I think you're right. I think it's one of the films where it's kind of like. I love it. A lot of people love Police Academy, but they won't admit to loving it. So it's a risk for us, that one is. But I think we're going to be looking with it, I think. Mm-hmm. But going back, you know, most of our projects have always been what we love. So I loved Return of the Living Dead. I loved uh, Hellraiser. I love Friday Night. And Chris Griffiths loves Robocop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically what happened was Chris wanted to do it, but he was on an R and about doing it because obviously the MGM issues and stuff like that. And also a book had been released uh, by a, an author called, I think it was called The Definitive History of Robocop. Mm. Uh, uh, and we, Chris had approached the author and said, you know, do you think we should do this documentary? And he was like, no, you shouldn't. I've done the book. It's definitive. And also, MGM were never allowed to do it. Now, for someone like me, if that, someone says that to me, that really kind of puts a, a fire at my backside. And I said to Chris, we're doing it. <laughs> I, said, I said, you've got Ed. I said, we're in LA uh, and we were shooting – uh, Friday night, I said, you've got Ed Newmyer's your friend on Facebook, you know, the writer of Robocop. Message him now, say we're in LA and we want to go for a meal with him. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I said, Chris, just bloody do it. So Chris messaged him. I think I dictated the message. Chris messaged him and said, you know, we're in LA, blah, blah, blah. And then 10 minutes later, bing, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, when when are you free? Okay, so we're free Thursday night. We met in some Mexican place and we didn't mention Robocop to him in the sense of making a doc. And we're talking to him. It's, it's really weird way to for meeting with three English guys he'd never met before. Uh, but he, he turned up. He paid as well, which was good. Uh, <laughs> and it was, yeah, and it was uh, it's always good when they pay. And it was a, a Mex- Mexican restaurant. And um, he said to us, you know, I think you guys, you know, you've done Friday Night, you've done Hellraiser. You should do Robocop. You know, I can tell you love it. And once he said that, the next day we went back to the hotel room and we literally wrote a narrative 
structure for the documentary and that's how it kind of happened so yeah i think you're right the stars aligned then because if it wasn't getting his seal of approval we wouldn't have done it because we want you've got to get certain people same as tom holland if tom hadn't have watched leviathan the documentary in hellraiser he wouldn't have agreed to doing fright night without tom we wouldn't have got everybody else because once you had tom holland not spider-man the original <laughs> the original tom yeah, holland yeah yeah <laughs> once you once you've got him you got Chris Sarandon, Amanda Burst, William Ragsdale, you know Jonathan Stark. It started the snowball effect, mm. and the same is obviously with Police Academy. Once we got Paul Maslansky, uh, the producer of all the Police Academy films, the, the, basically the Godfather of Police Academy, everybody else came on board. So it, it, the stars do align, and if you don't get that one person, you're screwed, really. Yeah. Uh, and we, we suffered that with with Hellraiser a little bit with Clive, but we it, we found mm. it difficult because Clive wasn't involved. But it worked out in the end. But it was more of a struggle than any mm. project worked on because of that. I suppose we can yeah. kind of relate that one. We uh, absolutely. Uh, Stephen McCall, uh, good Scottish actor. Uh, don't know if you're aware of Stephen McCall, who's in stuff like uh, yeah. Rushmore and stuff. Well, we uh, <laughs> we had him on the show, and uh, we, we kind of kept kept friendly with him Te we text often and uh we watched a tv series that he was in at one of bafta called high times uh okay Scottish show. oh unbelievable great humor brilliantly written it was great and we were like mate it would be great to do an episode of high times because we really want to talk to you about that specific episode he was like why don't you do a full series he was like i'll ask literally the full cast and crew he asked them, got back to us, ping, 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 ping. Yeah. All these contacts. I was like, wow. So for because, because just seeing eh? all, all these all these phone numbers coming through on WhatsApp. Yeah. Here's, here's this, here's that. Right. We were just like, what the fuck is going on here? Mm -hmm. You know, it was it was a fantastic experience. The whole series was so much fun to do as well. But uh, again, it's that just just that kind of chance encounter. In fact, mm -hmm. when just, we interviewed yeah, yeah. Stephen McCall, when we interviewed him for the first time, we hadn't seen High Times. We mm -hmm. watched it after. Yeah the the interview and then got back in touch with them we're like man this mm -hmm. is this is something that we can really is, you know well it's like it's like anything it's like you know when we did the screening in birmingham and it was a, a shit show and i went up and it was like three people in the audience <laughs> you know the fact that the fact that we did that led on to then doing the screening led on to mm -hmm. hellraiser and actually you know i could this could be another podcast the fallout we had with the people who organized that event i mean they wanted to kill me because i took over the event basically i was banned from the custard factory you know i was called a weasel <laughs> banned from you the know. custard that's your autobiography yeah, yeah, yeah banned from the custard yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they like you know it got really messy with them and it was you know and yeah. but again if it wasn't for those relationships we had with those people Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have snowballed and sneak out. So, you know, and everybody you meet, I mean, I work with Neil at school, you know, we work in education and I met Neil, you know, he came for a job that I've been, it would be now 15 years from that. And that meeting Neil, well, this would never have happened. Mm -hmm. And it's about, and it, I do find, you know, I think everything happens for a reason, serendipity, but I think, mm -hmm. you know, you meet people and obviously those people influence you and, you know, it's about that kind of journey you're on. You know, I know for a fact, if I didn't do that screening in Birmingham where it was a shit show with three people, I probably wouldn't have been doing, I'm probably here now talking to you because mm -hmm. that that one event literally snowballed everything that we've done since. Mm -hmm. And the people, I met Chris because I did a screen of, of Manhunter and uh, of, of Return of the Dead, sorry, with Don. Mm -hmm. And Chris came to that screening. Chris lived in Wales and came to that screening. And we became really close friends because of that. It wasn't fair. I'd never met Chris. We'd never done the documentaries together. It, it is such a, you know, but that's life in general, isn't it? You meet people and obviously yeah. they influence you and then you get rid of them. 
<laughs> I've still got mine. I'm kidding. No, Neil's next. I'll get rid of him. We um, it's uh, <laughs> nice to hear that because your uh, your journey's pretty much the same as ours. We started off doing a podcast because I, we worked together. I realised that when we would talk about movies yeah. uh, and people would at our work people would come and sit near us and laugh at what we were talking about yeah. and i was like this is a podcast so we started the podcast and then i i initially saw the podcast as the the body of a spider and i wanted the the legs to be something different screenings like i says we've done like yeah. five before lockdown now so five successful screenings with a local cinema i think if you find the right people and the right recipes i think you, you're oh, yeah. on to something there um, and um, I, we've been through a few people Unfortunately, you know, we yeah. have that seriously, you know, over the years, we've, we've had people come on board the projects who we've got rid of uh, yeah. because they just haven't worked with us, unfortunately, you know, and yeah. it's about that journey. You get people on board and they don't gel. You've got to have the same humour for a start. Mm-hmm. My sense of humour is very unique and but neil matches my humor so and yeah. chris matches my humor as well so mm-hmm. once you got once you got that it kind of works really nice but if you don't have that people think you're a bit of a knob that's a problem <laughs> you know, that's a, you know, and i think i think john, john me and john campion get on but he likes me small doses and, and our editor eastwood uh on robocop who's amazing editor i mean everything mm-hmm. you see is he's him I don't think he could stand me for the first five years. We're kind of friendly now. He's he's doing a bit of innuendo with me on the on jokes now. We never did before. I'd make some innuendo carry on kind of reference, and he looked like a you know threatened to kill his wife or something. But um, <laughs> but that relationship has evolved. But you know yeah, yeah you um, you on a journey with people, aren't you? And some people get on the train. Some people get off the train, don't they? Mm-hmm. Or get absolutely. pushed off the train. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> yeah. love it. I try to surround myself with people that are mega talented and stuff, and that are. I don't just... tend to do that because I'm the most talented. So I get people who are, <laughs> I get people who are okay. I'm the talented one, and people around <laughs> me kind of like you know I mould those people. That's what I try to do. I try to do it the opposite way. If I'm going to be jumping in the water and learning how learning how to swim the channel, I want to be next to some Olympic swimmers that can. Yeah, kind of, I'm aging. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I mean no, you got yeah. You've got to have people around you who. I think more more than more than talent. I think passion is for me. Mm. It's the people who've got to be passionate about what they're doing, you know. And I know the people I work with you know, with Chris regards for documentaries. He's passionate about filmmaking and about film, and obviously about the docs. Neil and Adam are passionate about the ditties and about storytelling mm. and character development. Yeah. And you, if you don't have those people on board, you know you don't gel and you don't create stuff. So you're right. I think it, it's it's you've got to be talented as well and have skills. You know it's always good to have a good cinematographer and a good sound person. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's the passion for me. Really, they've got to they've got to understand what we, you know. Be on that kind of same wavelength as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we've spoke a little bit about Fright Night. I'm just going to play the trailer here. I, I watched yeah. it already and I enjoy this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play the trailer here for everybody at home watching. Um, where, where I noticed the. Everywhere I look on cult screens, so, uh, yeah, out, like. yeah. So basically, we we, we released <laughs> we released Brewster on uh, which is Friday Dark. Uh, it was sold out three or four years ago. You oh. can get Brewster now. You can get it on the Eureka UK release. They licensed mm-hmm. it. It's on there. Also, serendipity again. Sony Pictures mm-hmm. approached us, and we thought we're in serious trouble here. We got an email. Of Sony Pictures titled "You also call Brewster," but we're going to be sued. They actually licensed it off us. For their well, Blu-ray, so now it's an official. Now it's an official doc. Now, uh, Shudder had it as well. Shudder, who obviously our partners Amazon, so mm-hmm. it's out there and about. But you can buy it on Blu-ray for about two hundred quid, I think, at the moment. Yeah. You know, <laughs> wow, 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 wow. 
Um, so, I've, got, I've got copies in the garage for hundred pounds. <laughs> that's 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 getting there, getting better. <laughs> so uh, here's the trailer for that uh, not very expensive documentary that you should buy from Gary's Garage. <laughs> Traditional horror gone away, and what I wanted to do was bring back the classic horror monsters that I'd grown up with. This idea came to me and I thought, well, wouldn't it be wonderful if a horror movie fan became convinced that his next door neighbor was a vampire? <laughs> if I was that kid, what would I do? Who would I go to for help? Because nobody would believe you. Welcome to Fright Night. For real. Fright Night is both an homage to the vampire genre and also a revitalization of it. The movie is like getting on a roller coaster. Oh, you're so cool, Brewster! It's just a lot of fun. There's gonna be some fright going on tonight. Hello, Charlie. There are a number of elements to Fright Night that contributed to its success. He's a vampire. A what? But first and foremost, it's on the page. Hey, kid. I guess one of those stories, it's timeless. When Jerry's full vampire-ness was upon him, it was disturbing. It was gross. It wasn't a guy who's just pasty with a little trickle of blood. I mean, the guy was a heinous freak. When I saw the movie for the first time with an audience, they went f***ing crazy. <laughs> That's the guy from Friday Night. There was a do that laugh, do that laugh, and I'm like, holy shit. The heart of the show is Peter Vincent. Charlie Brewster, I presume Peter Vincent, vampire killer. Roddy was a great mentor and a great friend. He was a walking history book of film and of Hollywood. You know, a legend and an icon. Fright Night was kind of the beginning of the culmination of some of the coolest physical effects that were done in the 80s. It was so well-crafted. It's a movie that still holds up. It's memorable because it has its own identity. We had this incredible playground. All we had to do was go in there and make the best munches we could, and that was absolutely fine. I missed that. And there was a lot of cocaine. <laughs> Part of the joy of this film is the 80s kitsch. You know, the big, big hair. All the young kids went crazy for this look. It very much captures that time as an era. I think Fright Night has really endured because there was something for everybody. It's terrifying, it's evocative, it's sexy. It's also led to a lot of women being madly in love with Chris Sarandon. So that was a whole different vibe. Now it wasn't just the good guy against the bad guy. Assembling that group, I had the best job in the world. Julie Carmen was steamy. It was very much a cat and mouse relationship, and I just loved to play with him. Very hot. Thanks. Peter, it's happening again. <gasps> Fright Night 2 is a movie that seems to live on cable. I mean, it's not out. Sorry. Unfortunately, with the distribution problems and all that. The Menendez brothers killed Fright Night Part 2, as well as their parents. You f***ing Fright Night Part 
The legacy of Fright Night is fascinating. Hundreds of thousands of people over the world bringing it back year after year. It's bigger now than it was then. Collectibles, props, fan art. The remakes, the fans just won't let go. Fright Night! Good evening, Fright Night fans. No one knew that it would have this other life. Wow, I was actually a part of something pretty cool. This is the last time I'm ever, ever gonna say this again. <laughs> You're so cool, Brewster! <sighs> hey, hey, hey. I need to see that. Mate. Wait, you Honestly. don't need to. You now you don't need to spend two hundred pound or a hundred pound. You've just bloody seen the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that is full of I, I full of know, fun. I, I didn't know uh, Brad Brad Fidel had done the, the music for free. Yeah, yeah, he had. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. I, I I messaged him a few weeks ago to see if he would perhaps come on the podcast, and he was nice enough to get back to me to say no. But at least, <laughs> at least they got back to me. Uh, um, at least he did. He, he didn't say no. He said not right now. But I'm hopeful maybe we'll get them on. We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll um, I I love the the behind in that documentary when I was watching it about the pencil and the hand scene oh, yeah. and how he yeah. actually managed to pull it off. See stuff like that. That's golden. I think that's why these kind of documentaries exist. Um, Fright Night is that one of your absolute favorite kind of movies? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's difficult for me because it's like you kind of bounce out and Lost Boys, and it's kind of I I, I do tend even though I love Lost Boys. I do tend to sway a little bit towards the Fright Night, I think, because yeah. it just, for me, it's kind of like, again, that Roddy McDowell kind of character of Peter Vincent and loving him from Planet of the Apes. And I think there's more kind of comedy in that as well. But it's very close between the two of them. A lot of people do have that debate constantly about what is the mm -hmm. best. Uh, but yeah, it's one of my all time favorite films, Fright Night. I think it's just, it, it's the perfect balance of horror comedy. It's a, there's a and movie it's... quite like it. You know, the, the movie where Shia LaBeouf. Called there's quite a few, Disturbia. yeah, yeah, yeah. Disturbia. There's a, there's quite a few actually. There's a, even you one, the, uh, the woman in the window. The girl, yeah, that we, was a book that I actually read. Yeah, but that's a little bit like he sees a murder across the road, and she's the yeah. it's, it's a lot of similar kind of like um, um, themes going through it. But look, actually, Neil, Neil, when we wrote the book on Fright Night after we did the doc, Neil made a good point about the similarities between Fright Night and Salem's Lot. Um, with the character of um, uh, Jonathan Stark's character, who's mm. Billy Cole, and how this guy obviously is, you know, is he human? Is he not? So same as J uh, J uh, James Mason's character mm. uh, in uh, Salem's Lot. And it's kind of, that was obviously, what, 10, 15 years before Fright Night. So there's a little bit of similarities there between those kind of like, you know, these ghouls who guard the dead. And even the end bit where, uh, John Vassar gets shot by Peter Vincent. He falls down and says he comes back. Exact same thing happens with James Mason. Exactly. <laughs> I think they borrow from each other, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Someone's having a go at me there for talking about Lost Boys. <laughs> you can't speak <laughs> blasphemy, especially when you. I love Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah. I love Lost Boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, do you remember the um, the kind of very short argument we had about uh, Lost Boys and how I said? I said, I don't think it's the best 80s vampire movie. And you're like, name me another one. And I was like, um... Fright Night. <laughs> Fright Night, Near Dark. <laughs> I, I, those I were the said, ones you used. I those said Near Dark. 
I, I hadn't seen Friday Night, so I did see. see I, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge kind of like fan of Near Dark. I don't see what the massive hype is on Near Dark. Mm. I just think I it's, it's kind of yeah. People love it. I, I, it's, it's a good enough, good enough film. I don't think it's it's there like you know on a par with Friday Night and Lost Boys in any way. But mm. people will wet themselves over it. It's got mm. Bill Paxton in it. That's enough. I think I think he's got most of the cast and bloody aliens, hasn't it? You know, <laughs> <laughs> they obviously had a day off set, so they went and did that film instead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a day, Bloody yeah, horribly. Uh, uh, so, I mean, for you, this is another opportunity for you to kind of meet your heroes after watching Fright Night as a child and kind yeah. of growing up with that. I mean, I take it that was pretty much just as surreal as it was. It was, yeah. It was absolutely surreal, and the kind of funny thing was, it was um, the one person we couldn't obviously meet was Roddy because obviously Roddy had died in '98. Mm. So, um, but again, you know, he felt like he was part of the dot because how kind of much people loved Roddy, Roddy McDowell. But I mm. loved meeting, you know, everybody on that. I came really close to Tom Holland as well, but also Steve Johnson, you know, who's one of the most amazing special effects makeup guys of the 1980s and 90s. We've come really friendly and close, me and Steve, and he's just an amazing guy. We always go and see him when we're in LA. And the other person we always go and see when we're in LA is Jonathan, uh, John Grise, who was in Friday Night 2, who plays the werewolf in number two, but mm. also was in Napoleon Dynamite. He played, I think, the uncle in it. Uh, oh, mate. Yeah, yeah. So are we feeling good about yeah, the yeah, him, yeah. <laughs> But he's just an amazing guy, John. So when we're in LA, we always go and see him. Yeah, and we, yeah. We, that's what you do. You know, you, you get friendly with, with these people, and you become friends. Yeah. You know, with with um, and it's just that's a nice experience. But yeah, meeting like William Ragsdale and Stephen Jeffries, and mm. even though I knew about Stephen Jeffries' alternative life as well in other adult entertainment, uh, what he did after, <laughs> just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> we never mentioned we never mentioned it in my dark we never mentioned it but yeah just google it anytime someone says just google that i uh <laughs> it never works out well for me <laughs> and then i send it to jmac and he's like why do you send me yeah. this stuff oh yeah. man some, sometimes sometimes i question our friendship when you send things. i really oh. do Parts, yeah, of him, parts, parts of Stephen are definitely rising from the dead in that film. In in, in his, his other films, sorry. Oh, <laughs> the um another documentary which we kind of touched upon, which this is the one you work with John Campo Piano yeah. on, uh, which is, is is that also in the background? Is that another screen worn suit? It's what, sorry. The the screen is that screen worn the one in your no background? no 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 that's that's a replica. Uh, ah, John, the... John has two. <laughs> Screen <laughs> which one of them I believe John is watching this probably retrospectively. John uh -huh. is keeping for Dead Mouse Productions the second right. suit, uh -huh. um, but no, no, so that's a replica suit of the of the uh, Pennywise. I see, I see. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so you you like like people know Tim Curry obviously for it, but for me, I grew up watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. it's one of those movies that. If I probably didn't watch it as a child, I probably wouldn't have uh, loved it so dearly. Even because if I watched that now, I'd be like, "What? I don't understand it." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's one of those things that's just kind of in the fabric of my being. So, did you get to meet Tim Curry also? Yeah, you... yeah, yeah. We went to Tim's wow. house. You know, I think you know we were kind of worried about Tim because everyone said to us we would never get him because mm -hmm. I mean many people obviously where Tim had a stroke um, ten years ago and he's in his yeah. wheelchair, and you know it was always kind of that kind of well. Would be able to be interviewed. Would he be up for interviewing? Because he hadn't done a, he hadn't done a lot actually prior to our interview, mm -hmm. uh, and now he's doing conventions. Now he's doing other stuff. So you know he's actually 
his road to recovery obviously is allowing him to obviously be more involved with the fans but yeah. at the time we were kind of really worried but again we decided to still do a doc just you know because i think we could still pull it off without him because people would understand why he wasn't in it and mm -hmm. uh he agreed straight away you know and he agreed uh -huh. because i think he was so kind of like tired of talking about rocky horror uh, and everybody, you know, connects to that, and obviously nobody really talked to him about Pennywise uh, and Stephen King's it. So we, and I'll tell you one weird thing: you can tell he's a Brit because we've always introduced what we've done in America. You go to people's houses, or you go the first kind of docs went to people's houses. Now we do studios; it's just easier for us to be mm. based in the studio, and we get obviously people coming into us. But when we first did like Friday night, and we did um, um, the Howraiser doc. Um, when you go to an American person's house, you probably get off the drink. That's about it, you know. And it's kind of like it's very, it's very much business in and out, professional, polite, you know, courteous. But there's no kind of like you know, it's not like what the Brits do. But when we went to um, uh, Tim's house, we had a big spread waiting for us of like donuts and cakes and coffee, mm -hmm. and it's like you know, you can tell he's a Brit in America. You know what I mean, he, like, he really looked after us, and I think that straight away broke the ice of us because we were worried and we we were waiting for him to come out, and we're sitting in his living room. And you know, all these pictures of him on the walls and whatnot, and his piano, that kind of stuff. Mm. And so like, he's getting ready, and he obviously, he's our helpers were helping him. And we're sitting there waiting and we're scoffing these donuts, you know, as you do. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, out of nervousness, and suddenly we could hear him coming. And he walked in, he walked in, he came in, uh, <laughs> uh, and um, he was just brilliant. He was so just down to earth, kind of like courteous, funny. Um, few little kind of like sarky comments but like jokey comments mm. and yeah he gave a good interview and it was obviously difficult the interview was difficult because um of the obviously situation he's in because you know he's obviously had a stroke so it was difficult but we got some really good stuff out of him i'm so glad he's in there now and obviously the, the, cut, the doc's ready basically mm. he's now the final stage of grade and and quality assurance and he's peppered throughout the doc and you you feel him so much in it now it's even though it was only a short interview because obviously the situation we're in he's very much kind of like peppered throughout and he, you know he's part of that really strongly so no, and that, you know being a kid of the 80s he was around in every film wasn't he from like you know uh congo you know to mm -hmm. uh, legend. Home alone, uh, legend home alone 2 you know yeah uh, i then, love you yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> i mean you know it, Treasure Island, you know, Freemason yes. Tears. He's in so much, you know, the list go on and on and on. And, you know, to have him. Found Gully. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Scary Movie scary movie 2, you know. The Nipples. Scary Movie 2 is funnier than the first one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 100%. I, think, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I just think uh, having him in it, uh, yeah, yeah, he was amazing. And that was that was a big experience for us. Because, again, like we talked about earlier on, the experience was weird because we were so nervous and because it was so difficult the setup and whatnot you kind of forgot it was tim curry do you mm -hmm. know what i mean and so when we walked out the door we're like that was tim curry you know that was the guy who we've all loved for years we've just been in his house and i wish we could go back in speak to him again and we just couldn't <laughs> yeah. it was kind of you know we you know get a coffee with him get a something to it but unfortunately his project you, you go in do your business and go out you know as yeah. we've said what's you the get, um the distribution plan for the Pennywise doc is it going to be straight onto streaming or is it a theatrical thing or is it it's going to be a bit of both so we've actually teamed up with a guy now called hank stars who uh is a, a british producer and he 
did Elstree 1976, the Star Wars doc. He's just done one called Hollywood um, Bulldogs, I think it's called, about stuntmen, which has been released last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, but we're now obviously becoming more official as our releases instead of independence. So that both Penny, well, Pennywise, RoboDoc, and Icon are going to be a free picture deal where they're coming out, obviously, uh, limited theatrical, then it'll be streaming. Uh, we don't know what streaming services yet. Obviously, we're still negotiating. That will then follow with a limited edition steelbook Blu-ray for each of the projects, mm -hmm. which will be extended versions. And obviously, then what will follow from that will be the books as well. will come out after. Oh, so, yeah, uh, so, yeah, so it, it's going more worldwide now, whereas obviously other projects were limited edition Blu-rays or DVDs, and then we've licensed stuff. So Hellraiser was licensed in Spain, France, Italy, Germany, Japan, China, um, the States, UK. So that document's just been like literally everywhere that over the last eight eight years. Uh, but it's been like piecemeal, you know, bill of a time, you know, this deal yeah. done here, this deal done there, you know, whereas this is obviously going to be straight away, you know, um, um, distributed worldwide. So they're going to be good, oh, yeah, hopefully. Unbelievable. Do you yeah, ever get... There is, a, there is a, a, real, a real hunger for documentaries, yeah. especially, especially yeah. now. Um, it's really strange, um, yeah, because um, when we started doing Leviathan, there wasn't really much out there other than Never Sleep Again, obviously. Mm -hmm. And now it's like the world and his wife are doing docs. I know you're doing your own, but you know, there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's a guy wanting to me for a However Duck documentary. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I love However, that's why you got someone to interview. But you know, every film is now has got a, a documentary about it. So mm -hmm. the market's become so well, people love watching retrospective stuff now. And I think because it's about celebration and it's about obviously, you know, promotion of work, but also you look at stuff like Tiger King, and you look at you know, the Cecil Hotel documentary, and, and you know, the, the one about the London bomber documentaries have become the new kind of binge, haven't they? You know, mm -hmm. whereas documentaries used to be an hour and a half, now there's like a series of it. We've even talked about, we even, we even discussed about Robocop, Robocop being a series because we've got hours upon hours of obviously footage, and we've obviously mm -hmm. we're covering the first three films, we're covering the TV series, we're covering the comic series, and we're covering, um, Obviously, the legacy of it as well. So I'm holding a Soul Gooden figure here. Just knocking him against my hand. I don't know why. <laughs> One thing I like also is a, is a wee figure. Oh, oh you got a Robocop. <laughs> uh, got I some, think yeah. Mate, he still works from still 1996, works, yeah. man. From 1996. Look at that. They used to market these things to kids, man. Oh, yeah. That, that's that's the thing you think about Robocop. You know, it's an 18 certificate film. Yeah, it was made... It was, it was actually originally... I think the first trailer said the next superhero. The first yeah. trailer put that out, and he was like, "Hang on a minute." <laughs> and I, I've got a story which was weird about influence on films. I remember my, me and my school uh, friend Ben Sparry watching RoboCop at his house when we were about oh, we were in primary school, so we got about ten. And I remember us buying sherbet dip and lying sherbet dip on on a table and copying. <laughs> Copying Bob Morton and sniffing it, we had no idea what cocaine was or drugs. And we were sniffing, we were sniffing sherbet dip because of Robocop. <laughs> I swear to God, I mean, I swear to God, I remember watching Robocop when I was probably far too young to see it with my, my dad and asking him what that was. And he told yeah. me it was sherbet. Oh, wow, someone's told me we were sniffing it. I, that's, that's yeah, I, was, I remember vividly sniff, snorting sherbet dip. <laughs> you know, um, fucking. Do you get a? Uh, you ever get imposter syndrome? Like you ever look around yourself and go, "I'm going to get caught out right now." Do you ever feel like that? A lot. I know a lot of actors um, when they first start on, like set, they kind of feel like that. 
Yeah, I think I think you you often feel that. I think with Aditi's more than anything, really, because we're now mm. going into kind of like our own narrative stuff, and where we're trying to obviously push ourselves as writers and creators of our own stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're working with obviously actors, and we're directing actors, and we're producing actors. You know, physically producing. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, we are. It's kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's Aditi's episode. <laughs> there's Bruce Jones. You know, I think what. Um, it, yeah, you find you feel yourself more kind of under the spotlight now. I think more than mm. any, any. And actually, working with Hank actually um, now has made us feel a little bit more kind of like under the spotlight because we're working with a professional producer and distributor who, you know, he's asking us stuff. You know, over the last two or three years, where we got away with it before. You know, we released a doc and got away with it. And now he's going, we need this legally. We need this. We need that. And we're going. And we're having to mm. retroactively go through paperwork and get sign offs that kind of stuff, which we didn't do before. Because we used to do the banner of fair use. So, yeah, it's kind of, it does feel like a bit of a bubble. But I think because everything's so fast, we're working on so many projects, and because we have day jobs as well, mm. it kind of, um, it, you don't stop to think about it too much other than you ask me that question, man. Kind of, you know, I think one day we'll stop and think and go, some, you know, something's going to happen. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We'll be in prison for copyright infringement <laughs> alongside <laughs> alongside you for that shirt. <laughs> I mean, isn't it fine if I, if I declare it as I'm a? All, I'm all le- I'm all legal. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Copyright you, J Mac. Yeah. Um, uh, do, do you want Do you want one of these, Gary? We'll say yes, I'll have, yes, please. Yeah, I, I was yeah. expecting to go cold and go. No, I'll have one. I'll have, you know, next guy <laughs> forks. I can put it on him. Do you want one of these? <laughs> we'll send them a, a double pack. <laughs> um, I'm going to play the the teaser here for Pennywise. Uh, that's still called Pennywise. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Okay, ignore 2018. <laughs> <laughs> also, we, we had to had release a trailer, full trailer, obviously all the casting, but we've had to mm-hmm. um, remove it because of distribution, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds daft. We had to basically take down our, our trailers. We had a trailer for, um, for, obviously for that and another project we had to take down because of, of potential distribution kind of issues. So it's a shame that we couldn't show that one, but, you know, it's oh. one of those. But uh, yeah. Ignore, yeah, ignore 2018. <laughs> Bits and bobs, eh? I mean, it's nice to see, like, because obviously it has come out in two parts recently. Yeah. With, the, with a really well-made reboot, by the way. If you're going to yeah, do yeah. something, do it like that. Uh, um, but it's nice to see the original, like, kind of going back. So it's, I'm really glad you guys are doing that, and I can't wait. And like I says, 
we have access to a, a local cinema that would happily play every one of these on uh, release, even if you guys oh, came up uh, and and we could host it there, or yeah, yeah. we can just you can just send us it and we'll send you as a check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I, I, that's definitely something to be seen on the big screen. Um, one thing that I would also like to see, uh, I, I mean, you could probably see it on a big screen, being that it's like hour long episodes. Dark Days. Now I had sent J Mac the. Did you check out Dark Days, J Mac? <laughs> I wish I had the chance, right? But say yes, yes. Say yes. <laughs> now, see, I'm, see, my problem is. What was your favourite episode, <laughs> Gary? I'm always too truthful, and one of the reasons that I'm always truthful is that if I lie, Kevin knows I'm lying, and he will try and trip me up. So. What, what I've basically, right, I've just started a new job doing 12-hour shifts and then I've came away on a holiday and you know when you go on holiday with your wife, your every minute is just accounted for. So what are we doing today? And we go and we don't return for, there's no downtime on a holiday when you've got a wife. So, not, um, not an excuse, not an excuse. Sorry, man. Uh, uh, right, it was nice, nice I've, you. I've, I've spent five years of my life making these bloody things. You can't be bothered to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> J Mac, uh, the good thing is, the, the really cool thing is, you you can still watch them. I've seen them now, and I'll go back and watch them again. But but you get to watch them with fresh eyes, and then I get to get your opinion on that. So it's actually cool that you haven't seen them yet, because I'm going to sell them to you in this next uh, this next segment. Dark Ditties, right? When you had a, said to me that, um, you know, I was like, I had messaged you, and I was like, so what you got coming up? We'll kind of talk about some of that stuff. And, and you wrote Dark Ditties, and I was like, because I know that you've done the the documentaries i thought dark ditties is that something i've missed why i've never heard of that right and i was like what is this so you sent me the links and i was like right okay and so i'm the kind of guy that doesn't like to watch trailers too often i like to just get in it and try that whole feeling of what is this right and i was like all right i see what we're going for here like uh kind of mystery mansion in episode one uh which is called the offer yeah, which yeah, is yeah. The, essentially you know Everybody gets offered an opportunity. The yeah. the winner will get a prize, money, but you always know there's some crafty shit going on exactly, here, yeah. right? <laughs> right. And uh, what I love about it, right, is as is, and I think it's all primarily British actors, isn't it? They're uh, all, aren't they? Other than Barbie Wilde, who's Canadian, mm -hmm. yeah, they're all British, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so recognizable faces as well. A lot of people who seen like Bruce Jones and stuff. Um, and what I really liked about Bruce Jones as well is I didn't. Not one point when I watched that was I like there's Les Batterby. Yeah, at all good. did not see that at all and that's why i was like this is refreshing um and i and i love as well see every time i see him as a new character it's yeah. it's exciting to see him as someone else right and he does it so well and uh so the idea uh it's not like american horror story but in the sense that the actors the, the cast are the same but their characters are different but they still all intertwine yeah, and I was trying to puzzle it all together as you're watching, yeah. and that's one of the things. Well, you're not just giving us something to watch, but you're giving us bits yeah. to connect ourselves and do our homework. Uh, and did you were you surprised I found Annie in episode three? Yeah, because you mentioned me, and uh, you, I think you said about is it Mrs. Wilshire, a young version? Yeah, of yeah, her? yeah. Uh, but he calls him Ms. Wilshire. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, we we put her in. Chat. But yeah, we bought yeah, we bought yeah, what we tried to do obviously as you said we've kind of we've created an anthology series which can be watched mm -hmm. in any particular order, but they have the same actors playing different characters, which obviously like the carry-on films we try to emulate, mm -hmm. but also you've got a couple of characters all that 
who are literally in it. He's gone again because it's because it's all like that. You've got some characters in it who obviously do obviously play the same are in every episode, obviously or reference to. So Ken mm. Cranham's character, he never plays anybody other than Benoit. He always plays mm. Benoit in, in yeah. the series. But there's a, obviously a narrative link. We've tried to create this kind of world where it's, it's people's lives and their stories and how it connects to this bigger world, what's happening mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you've even there's even characters being mentioned that we've not seen yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Harry the Hatchet. Harry the Hatchet, yeah, yeah. (laughs) When I heard that, I was like, what a name, what a name. Um, I'm going to, for everybody watching and listening as well, if you're listening to this on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, go to YouTube uh, or Facebook, anywhere that we are, and watch this episode so that you can see all these cool trailers. But I'm going to play here the the teaser for Dark Ditties to kind of give you a feel for what it's all about. Get them all here, honey. It's a veritable cornucopia. Who is it? My God. I'm Selwyn Parsons. And I'm Marvin Afonso. I mean, we are talking some serious mafioso merchandise right here. So I was actually thinking that I don't think this is really me. I'd learned that lesson, alright. He wasn't very happy. I'm surprised I haven't piddled in my bridges. I should report it to the police. Nobody's calling anyone until I say so. Oh, piss off, George. Now we've got bigger problems than the old Bill. You're not getting me like this bloody lot. It's daylight robbery, that. Uh, not actually, no. I'm going to cut off both your hands and feed you your own tongue. What's it happening, man? What did you do? How did I? We finished the game. I've never really won anything before. Four weeks in my buyer, cash in hand. Lovely. I mean, just look at those shoes. Shoes? Two people are dead, and we're discussing the price of a pair of fucking shoes! Hey, A shoe? <laughs> My size, hello. Dirty bastard. You just never know, do you? To send him straight up with that thieving little piece of shit. Oh, I hope you're not referring to me, my dear. The talk never occurred to me, sir. I'm sorry. I think we can all safely place our bets on this one. They don't me again. I'm sure 10 million will help soothe her pain. What can I do for you to find specimens? So the moment has arrived. Oh, here we are then. <laughs> Entertainment's arrived. What is it you're wanting to know? Is the old place haunted? Ghosts and all. I'm speaking to you from beyond the grave you've no right here anymore <laughs> just a dream love it love it um it's all all too familiar for me because i just binged it recently i actually tried to slow myself down <laughs> um each episode's different as well i really like that i, I like how yeah you're not getting the same thing, and there's there's a warm a warm feeling. It's strange when I describe it like that, but when I watch a movie like something like uh, Fright Night, and there's this warmth to the movie that you feel extra comfortable when you're watching it. Does anybody? Do you guys? Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, we, we've tried to create the characters where you know you kind of most of our characters aren't really nice people, but 
you still kind of think about the people you connect with. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. episode one, the offers about greed and about what people were doing in the crisis, obviously how people turn each other. Episode mm-hmm. two is about, unfortunately, it's about abuse and about how people hide things in their life and families hide secrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously the consequences of that, which people can obviously relate to, no matter if it's abuse or just about secrets in families mm-hmm. and how families operate. And three, obviously, is about luck and chance. You know, people stumbling on something can obviously even the consequences of that. And four is about ego. Four is, you know, about kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, what, what people would do just to be successful and obviously, you know, push that kind of boundary a little bit. And five, which is going to be coming out, Dad, is about is, is the zombie apocalypse, which is linked, which basically comes from all these episodes. But it's about a guy who's got dementia. And what would you do? You know, if your dad had dementia in a zombie apocalypse, what would would you stay with your dad? Because if you left him on his own, he'd be dead, you know, because he doesn't know what's going on. And it's Mm. about that that character's journey with his father and how it links to the previous episodes that, you know, we're trying to kind of touch upon things which are really kind of like important messages as well. That being kind of like cliche and kind of woke and stuff like that. We want to basically tell real life stories, but in a set in a very surreal world. Mm-hmm. That I really I had messaged you after watching. I think the Mrs. Wiltshire episode yeah. is so different, but the same, but yeah. so different from the others because it, it is very, it's dark, but it's it's honest. Yeah, and, and I think you guys went where people would be like, "Oh, we're not doing that," and I think, but you do it justice that way. You know what I mean? Like we're I'm watching that and going, "Right, Mrs. Wiltshire." leave just leave yeah. but yet yet you understand her reasons for not yeah, yeah. leaving right and and even though you know he's talking shite right when he's putting this on her he's playing on her weaknesses he's, he's a real predator i mean th- that character mr wiltshire right yeah is the embodiment of everything that's evil right it's, yeah. tell me someone that like you put everything in him yep He's a. I'm not going to. I can't look at me, J Mac. I'm not going to spoil it. I, I'm quite. I'm a well known spoiler. Um, <laughs> me <I can't>, too. <laughs> remember how I always say to you, J Mac, a bad guy needs to be a bad guy for it to work. You really need to have someone that you either fear, you dislike, you hate. Because if your bad guy sucks ass, then there's really no point to yeah. the story that you try to create. This guy. It's difficult, yeah. Because I think I think I told you before. You know we somebody we know very well uh obviously mm-hmm. did, did suffer abuse mm-hmm. so we tried to do that do that justice what we didn't want to do obviously is make a mockery of it because it's really difficult it's a thin line when you're doing a horror comedy <laughs> and you know <laughs> com- comedy is very subtle in episode two it's more about yeah. obviously the, the humor of her really about her kind mm-hmm. of like trying to cover up stuff you know things about you know what's happening to her she's trying to cover up and make excuses for it yeah but we obviously we, had, we knew somebody that had been abused and they gave us obviously their side of the story and obviously we put that into the into the script so we hopefully it's honest as well mm-hmm. and the difficulty was as well mrs wilshire because because we're trying to emulate this kind of carry on feel and obviously also theater we, you know, we're trying to have a troop of actors we call them obviously our ensemble and in the mm-hmm. theater actors will play women will play men and men play women so mrs wilshire is played by a man uh, yeah. But it's not promoted in that way in any way. You know, we've actually come up with a pseudonym of, a, of an actress called Doris Boham, who plays the, the character. And a lot of yeah. people don't realise actually that it is Simon Bamford playing Mrs. Wilshire. And I had no idea. Yeah, people I still think tell. it's makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could see that something was done, but I just thought yeah. that was to make her look old. I oh, thought yeah, I yeah. Just was a younger actress that wanted yeah. to look older. Right, but and no. A lot of well, people, a lot, a lot of people think it's a woman, and I think we, we were very 
conscious about the fact that you're doing this episode about abuse and mm. you got an, a male playing a, a female. We didn't want to be, you know, inside number nine or, or you know, Peter Kay kind of, or Mrs. Doubtfire kind of thing. We wanted it to be, mm-hmm. but you actually feel for her and you don't, you, you know, that's why we, I said that we advertised the film, the episode mm. as starring Doris F. Boham. Yeah. Uh, as an actress, because we, I think see, if you knew beforehand, people are watching this now, go and watch it. I think you were, uh, <laughs> you'll take you away from it a little bit. But I think yeah. Simon does an amazing job. He does an absolutely amazing job as her. And it was so weird on the set because you actually thought she was an old lady on the set. It was so strange. Mm-hmm. And in between takes, you'd go up to him and, like, oh, do you want anything? Like, you know, Simon, you know, he can walk his own, you know, make his own tea, lazy. But, you, <laughs> but you'd forget, you'd forget really quick. And in the, in the flesh, that makeup looked so mm-hmm. real in the flesh as well, without the lighting on it and whatnot. And, you know, it was, you know, it was a genuine performance. And I think, you know, it's a difficult episode for us because even now, where we're trying to promote the series, I, I've always felt very conscious about. Episode one, I feel conscious about because it was our first one, and there's some tech issues in that regard, so some sound issues. Episode two, so dark and it's so serious in its tone, in the sense of mm-hmm. what it's about. We always push people towards episode three, <laughs> Finders Keepers, because yeah. it's the episode which is kind of like you know, it's the it's the fun one, really, and the kind of a kooky one. But mm-hmm. I, like I, I love episode four. I love I love Witch Hour. I, I really do. Oh. Uh, one question that I've got, obviously, like 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 I admitted to a minute ago, I haven't seen them yet. But mm. when you're when you're working on um, that kind of um, subject matter, I mean, how, do you feel like you're kind of treading on eggshells these days? Yeah, when it, it, comes it, to the it was hot. It was hot. Uh, we filmed it in two thousand and oh, was it two thousand eighteen? So it wasn't as bad the woke thing as it was as it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't read on the radar, sounds daft, but. The eggshells was a subject matter, so it, it was very tough to shoot. We shot it over four days in a house with a limited number of cast. There was no laughs on set, you know, in between. Like the other episodes, we've had laughter, we've had there was none of that at all. I think it was a very small cast. Bruce kept himself to himself, and you know, Bruce was very conscious about playing that character because he obviously, you know, he's known for Les Battersby. He, he obviously, you know, in the off, he was very loud, brass kind of character, brash kind of character. But in this one, he was really worried about playing the character because of, of who he is and what he does. You know, the character mm-hmm. is, is not a nice person. So it was a, it was a really tough shoot, to be honest. And I think because we had the person on set who had been abused and it was kind of their story, minus the ghosts and whatnot, but it was their kind of like, you know, it was their kind of pain, what they'd been through. It was difficult not you know it, it, we had to be eggshells because we couldn't we couldn't have that kind of like sense of oh let's you know let's have a joke and a laugh and neil's mm-hmm. right we did you know only twice we've actually the, the crew have all cried it sounds that it's all kind of guys and girls and whatnot you know in and who work kind of like really hard to make these episodes happen wilshire mm-hmm. after one of the scenes everybody was fucking you know was literally in tears mm-hmm. and the same happened on dad we had the scene with ian galder obviously who's obviously known for game of thrones mm-hmm. and we did a scene on dad and it was a real emotional scene and at the end everybody and even the camera guy who's he doesn't like things to get to him he's, he played put some very much of a front you know i'll sell this crap you know kind of person but actually mm-hmm. he was in he was in tears as well and so, so we hopefully people are watching it and feeling the same really you know and yeah. and, the, and hopefully the laugh at the right time as well you know and the laughing that when she's she's making silly comments and she's trying to justify 
basic things. But then when you get the tragedy, you, you feel it. Do you know what I mean? So you, mm. more so that was probably than the wokeness was more trying to do the do story justice and trying to, you know, not make light of what people go through on a daily basis because people are living that now as we speak, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that was difficult without trying to get too deep <laughs> into it. It's like it almost is like the inner workings. You're, you're watching this and you're seeing mrs wiltshire putting the brave face on for the right reasons it's like she she's selfless she's she's being bullied but she's selfless like all of her pain doesn't come from just kicking back and uh accepting it it's not like well this is my first off there's a part where she mentions you know well this was the the 80s you don't get divorced then yeah, so yeah. It's the whole the whole shaming kind of thing you know i left yeah, my yeah. husband or whatever there's that there's her children there's there's even the whole like it shows how much of a of a her character was broken because she realized things were going on in her own house yeah. and she, and rather than having to deal with it and through what consequences that may face it was easier for her to just ignore it just there's so much that goes into into that scenario and when you're watching that i think it's really easy for the you know, like the way it's filmed the way you the way you guys done it credit it's really easy for someone like myself to sit at home and watch it and go, "Yeah, wow, I see it. For, I see everything that she's going through." You know what I mean? I think that's credit to the actors as well. What we do with, on all the episodes, we learn mm-hmm. from Tom. Actually, Tom Holland told us his trick. Obviously, on Friday night, what we do with all the actors, we, we allow them to create more backstories for the characters. So mm-hmm. we we go away and come back to us and discuss the character about the journey they think they've been on. So, like Bruce had looked, talked about the character of Mister Wilshire that he was obviously, you know. Um, working class factories you know very proud lost his job then obviously then took it out and his wife obviously the abuse started obviously with the children and stuff like that but as far as the neighbors were concerned he was a great guy everyone loved mm-hmm. him he was down in the pub and he was that jolly kind of guy but behind closed doors because of his insecurities and his masculinity being affected because in episode six we've got mm-hmm. the scenes in 1979 episode six in stain where mrs wilshire is back again but obviously when she was younger and she's out working, you know, and he's done his backing. So that masculinity issue back in the, in the, in the 70s would have been massive. Mm, yeah. And obviously, you know, and we talked about the character of Tony of the Sun as well, but Tony, you know, which you don't really touch upon, really we don't in the episode. Mm. But he was gay and obviously he left because his dad, um, you know, not only abused him, but his dad would have, you know, having a gay in the house would have been a massive thing for his dad. So he threw him out. And then he mm. went to live his life, obviously, in London and obviously comes back to his mum then and obviously but he's come back stronger because he's been in 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 you know kind of a gay scene but in the scene in london where he's been able to be himself and be strong and he's come back then to his mum different you know he, he's changed he's more confident but he wouldn't have yeah. got back living at home so we created all these backstories with it with the cast and i think that comes across on the screen because you believe the characters more than you do and obviously you mentioned about annie mm-hmm. and i think you believe you believe why annie becomes what she does because annie's back in episode three and four and you mm-hmm. kind of believe you know and it's not about obviously because just because you're you're abused you become an abuser, but you know mm-hmm. that does happen unfortunately. But when you have experience in your life, it, it draws you to certain people. So she's then drawn to the character of Benoit, Benoit yeah. who's played by Ken Cranham, and he's not a nice person. But because of the relationship with her father and, and the the stereotypes of men that she had in her life, she's drawn to those kind of men. Mm-hmm. So we, we try and get a little bit deep, but at the same time try and like allow the audience to kind of pick these up as well. These stories, and you, you know, I think you did. You, you made a comment mm-hmm. to me on Facebook. You said, you know, she's gone to him because obviously, you know, re- you know, she likes a bad one basically mm-hmm. because yeah. she, that's what she, that's all she's ever known. You know, he's, he's bad men. 
And it's, I think it's probably normal to her to, like, she probably just went for that job. This is kind of how I interpret it. She probably just went for that job, and through her job, she's realized that her boss is actually a gangster that will kill yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's normal her. It's it's as normal to her to send. You know, well, I just get the flowers and send the usual yeah, flowers. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, as it is for her to. You know, don't tell the teacher that you saw your dad kicking me yeah, out. Yeah, she's obviously these kind of things she, are normal. Yeah, she's become immune to it, hasn't she? You know, I think when you yeah. the, the scene where she's on the phone um, to her mum, uh, yeah. and then a mum talks after Mrs. Wilshire talks about when Annie first told her about her dad. Mm-hmm. You know. Annie's Annie leaves and leaves a mum and a brother. You know, and that's mm-hmm. a big thing for her to do. Actually, as a you know, she she escapes from that house, but she actually leaves her brother mm-hmm. and her mum to it. Yeah. So that's that's she's saving herself, but she's leaving them. You know what I mean as well. And then she she goes to Benoit. You know, she falls in with him. So I think we we try and obviously we're trying to create this world. Going back to the whole series, it's kind of we're trying to create. You know, throughout the whole series, you've got this kind of essence of, of the cult of the risen word, which is Tiberius Crane, who you meet in episode four, and you mm. meet again in episode five. But actually, he's the kind of like link through the whole series. It's about the rise of that cult, but how then these little these people's lives are affected by him. So mm. Wilshire is affected by him, but you don't know how really until you see episode six, why mm. Mr. Wilshire is involved with the risen word and how he became what he became. You, you know, you you, hear, you see him in episode two where he's this evil ghost. You see him again in episode four. You learn more about him in episode six through mm-hmm. somebody else's story, actually. And I think that's what we're trying right. to do, create this kind of like really kind of weird kind of like world where you can watch it in any sequence, but also you, you kind of connect with dots like you do after. You go, actually, hang yeah. on a minute. That character's in that one. That character's in this. That's what I like about it. That's what I really like about it is the fact that you there's more to it than just the episode. You can come away and, and as well, yeah. you can just kind of make up, fill in any blanks that you may kind of have. You know, I really like that kind of do it yourself. Kind of, it would be quite interesting to see his end an episode where you kind of just have to decide yourself how it kind of goes. Stuff like that. I, I think that's quite. Well, I, cool. think, I think the episode one, the, the, the offer when she gets out of the house. Mm-hmm. somebody gets out of the house like spoiling it. <laughs> we, we kind of left that a little bit but you find out in episode uh six what happened i think episode six or episode five what happened to her mm. and i think you have to wait then to find out what's happened to him so but again i, I thought we've said often said neil adam and i that our episodes never end on a high you know mm-hmm. the baddies technically always win in our in our <laughs> episodes because that's life yeah. you know the goodies aren't always going to win are they and ultimately what happens in this series leads to the apocalypse ultimately mm-hmm. And obviously, this is through this risen word. So it's about people's journeys through that. And it's trying to be realistic as well. Obviously, as much as you can be realistic with ghosts and zombies. Um, but it's about, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, about, it's about human nature, as I said. You know, that's why mm-hmm. the essence of abuse in episode two and the essence of dementia in episode five. When you ever see a zombie film or a, a post apocalyptic film with someone dementia in it, you, you don't see that. Because what mm-hmm. would you do? You feel that had dementia and you, the zombies banging on the door. Would you, what would you do? Natural selection. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd think that, wouldn't you? And I think, that, no, but that's yeah. the thing in the episode in episode five. Well, I'd, I'd frame, I'd frame into the zombies and run. But in episode, <laughs> in episode five, you know, David, the character, has to make discusses making that choice. You know, mm-hmm. does he basically, you know, why did he, why did he take his dad on? You know, and it's ultimately mm-hmm. through guilt because it's something he's done in his past, and it's through guilt. Then actually, his dad slows him down. And ultimately, that um, results in obviously, you know. I can say because everybody dies in our, in our episode. Everybody <laughs> dies, you know. Oh. Everybody dies. 
Is uh, do you have bigger plans for like? So you got season one. Is that just built around Kane, and then series two kind of go into something different? No, we we discussed that. So we kind of we've already written the outline of season two. So we discussed mm-hmm. obviously about about Crane, about how would we go something completely different. But actually, we thought it's a bigger world to tell. So we decided that season one is about Benoit and Crane. So Benoit, how Crane infiltrates Benoit. So Benoit is a crime lord who, mm-hmm. who throughout the series you hear that people don't think he's people think he's just kind of like you know he's in with everybody. He's mm. he's, he's the kind of like Jimmy Savile, but not the pedo. <laughs> he's the kind of like <laughs> where Jimmy Savile infiltrated government and charities. He's the same kind of thing, and people love this guy until he's. Mm. And that's why he gets it. So that's the crime element. Episode season two is about politics. So it's about how Crane infiltrates politics. Politics. So we've got a character who's replacing Ben Warren season two called uh Nigel Fincher who is a politician and it's about people's how people connect to him for every episode and how obviously he is be he starts risen word again and episode three we talk we're thinking about like an entertainment element of it so how Crane gets involved like you know the three strands isn't it you know crime entertainment and mm-hmm. politics basically so no, so we kind of we've we've gone back to Crane in episode season two, and we, we've written an episode where it's basically you see what happened to Crane in in uh, was it eighteen twenty or something it is, how he became what he became as well his character. That's amazing. That's uh, I've really really enjoyed. I love it when I find something new and something that that's no it's not the same as everything. You can't I can't really liken it to something. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah, it's kind of it's irritating for us because it's great when you watch it and you know and you've straight away it, it struck a chord and you, you've enjoyed it. Everybody that watches it seems to really enjoy it. And we get re- I mean, you got a t-shirt straight away. You know, we get we get so many good reviews on it and people find it, but it's, people find it is the problem for us because mm-hmm. you're independent and obviously you're sticking it on Amazon. It's through Amazon through us, not through Amazon obviously as an original. Mm-hmm. And people have to search and search for it. And, you know, we've got some fans in America, a, a lady called Laurie. Uh, who's a massive fan? I mean, she's got t-shirts coming out of her ear. She's cosplays as the characters, you know. <laughs> no way. She, you know, and she's, she's such a, a trooper promoting the series. And we've got a few fans like that. But it's, it's basically again, you know, it's the frustrating thing for us is people getting to watch it and see, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, you see so much crap on TV. And I'm not saying we're amazing, but you see so much crap on TV and Netflix and. And we we know you know we we're trying to do something different. We're trying to do something mm-hmm. a bit more unique with the story. Uh, and it's difficult, you know, particularly in, 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 especially now with the wokeness, you know, about how we can continue to do these and try and stay true to what we want to do, as opposed to, you know, sticking to a story now because you know it's you have to do that because you know you're ticking the box. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I like that, and I think that far too much, far too much of the box ticking going on. It is. Yeah, yeah we, we try to avoid that, and we, you know, we've had many debates recently about kind of like the season and about season two about ticking boxes and we kind of decide not to our characters are who they are the characters are played by actors because of their actors who are good for those roles you know and mm-hmm. if we were casting we would cast uh, we don't write characters for any anybody in particular really we don't we have done obviously a little bit on season one because we're independent but mm-hmm. you know i don't like character saying young white male or young black male or young asian male it's just young male and whoever comes to that audition I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're gay, bi, straight, transgender. I don't care if you're, you know, you're black, white. It's about if you're good enough for that role, that story. Mm-hmm. 
So think, you, don't don't tell me you're doing things the way they should be done. I just find it's more, you know, I find it's actually, it's it's reverse kind of like racism. If you start doing that, I think if you, if you can't stay true to your story, it doesn't matter what colour you are or what colour I am. It makes no difference whatsoever to that. Mm -hmm. Unless you're doing something which is very unique to that character, do you know what I mean? Where you, you're doing something where... You know, it's about it's a cultural thing. You, you've got to obviously obviously be respectful then of that culture. But when it's a general character, does it matter what colour they are? It matters mm. who who came that audition, who was good. That's all mm. matters to us. And I think you know we've been fortunate to have some amazing actors. You know, with Mark Winger, uh, Bruce Jones, Michael Higgs, uh, uh, and Barbie Wilde and Gemma, and obviously then Ian Gowder as well and Ian Beatty. So we've been really lucky. And it's difficult for us to write. Obviously, you know, people, you know, we, we write what we know. We write what we love, you know, and we try and have these homages in for the horror and comedy as well. Mm, absolutely. It definitely shows. And it's good. That's why I said it was really refreshing to see something that you could tell was just like, we're doing it. This is how it's to, this is how we've chosen to do it, and we're just going to go ahead and do it. Do you think that, you know, if uh, Dark Days was to be picked up by a, a major you know a major company that you would be restrained eventually and it would kind of lose what you can it depends who it is i suppose i mean we've um we've already rewritten the series um as a 10-part series now so we only obviously we've we've self-funded obviously episodes one to five and obviously we plan on mm -hmm. doing six which is stained but we've you know retrospectively we've rewritten the series as a narrative art of 10 episodes and actually all episodes are 48 minutes and we've actually changed some stuff as well in each episode to make it a bit more unique to be refilmed again. But we do know, we're not, we know, you know, it doesn't matter if, even if it's about wokeness, you know, when you, uh, I think, what's his name was saying it the other day, uh, Paul, when he's on the show, Paul said, mm -hmm. I'm sure he was on here, he said it, or maybe I was talking to him privately about when you look at Lost Boys, when it goes to, to, to producers, everyone's got an opinion on what it should be and how mm -hmm. it should be a sequel. And I think that's going to be saying with the ditties, you, it'll go to a board of people. Everybody have an opinion, obviously, how what, what a story should be. We'll try and obviously stay unique as possible as much as we can. But obviously, your hands are tied, unfortunately, in, in the business. Mm -hmm. And we've we've learned that quite a lot recently, that, you know, you've got to... Unfortunately, yeah. yeah, if you want to do something, you've got to conform somewhat, you know, unless you're up there with, you know, with, with Gervais and whatnot, and you can just, you, can just, you know shit out another series afterlife you know mm. we're not like that you know we can't do that you know <laughs> yeah we've got a unfortunate so we don't know what's gonna happen so we hopefully will obviously we'll be able to stay unique to what we're, we're doing and the stories that we're telling absolutely it's exciting it's exciting and i i'm i know we're going to support you guys as best as we can um whichever way we can uh we do all right in regards to t-shirts traffic mate exactly <laughs> hey if you need a if you need a merch woman yeah. the woman that she got this done in a day we want action figures we want <laughs> hey she could probably do it i'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> um but uh you know I, we've I, thought like... <laughs> I don't know about that one yeah you you underestimate her power. <laughs> we she's, got same, she's got the same power as me. We came to the same place. Mm, I don't know. Like she got she got the uh, she got a wee bit of sauce. <laughs> as you can see, as you can see. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've kept you two hours, so we won't keep no, you much fine, longer. Um, <laughs> we always uh, we always we always go for around an hour, unless the guest is happy to go longer. I'm usually happy, we, yeah, can yeah. Tell, <laughs> we can usually tell when the guests like, ah, yeah, yeah. 
every time we ask a question, the problem the problem is because we, we, we've got so many kind of like you know kind of like uh, as you said spider legs mm-hmm. on, on our product our company. Unless you're just talking about Robocop, we're going to talk for ages. So that's a problem, you know. Because yeah. we've mean, got we've done unfortunately and uh, fortunately we've done we've done quite a lot of stuff. <laughs> right, and it's all stuff we want to talk about as well. Yeah, which no, is I'm why happy. we should do we should do more episodes, more streamlined episodes. Um, I will want to get you back on to talk about dad the next day oh, yeah. um we really, really proud of dad i really am. yeah i mean you should be really proud of the series itself it's, it's just from it's really unique and it's been really good i know that j mac when you watch it we're going to have conversations about it for sure um yeah I'm I'm gonna, saying... if, if i can if i can stay awake i will try and squeeze one in tonight before i go <laughs> To squeeze one the old scratcher don't watch <laughs> don't watch Mrs. Wilshire tonight when you're going to uh, bed uh, do it chronologically maybe right so start start with episode one then yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is you can watch them in any order but that's the whole point yeah. you can watch apart from six you can watch them in any order uh and that's what we try to do you, know, you can dip into you know if you're if it's on you know the bbc for argument's sake you've, you've missed episode one and two and you watch three it makes a difference it doesn't because actually number three mm-hmm. is set before number one you know yeah. and Okay. But yeah, but yeah, just don't watch Mrs. Walsh. <laughs> uh, Morris... I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna have to watch it now. <laughs> uh, Neil Morris says, Really enjoys your show. You know what this means, Gary, right? When we get you back on to discuss uh, dad, gonna have to bring Neil on with you, right? Oh, god, as long as I said you before, we'll off, as long as you're not dressed as, as a woman. Neil, <laughs> Neil works in a Catholic school still, unfortunately, and he got in trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we when we ramble so make sure if, if Neil's back on you 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 don't dress up <laughs> or, ask him will, how, but... or ask him how big his bits are so make sure you just don't do that <laughs> God you're hearing this J-Mac <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to bother coming on then <laughs> no, Neil be good to go. Neil, because obviously, you know, all jokes aside, Neil looks like Daniel Craig's uncle. Um, Neil is Neil. Neil literally, obviously, is the heart of the series, and I don't know, yeah. probably bigging him up, and he is because you know I've got the ideas, and Adam's got the ideas, and we work really well together as a, as a, as a three of us because. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've got the kind of like the horror element, and I like you know, and I'll give him to say to Neil, I want a story about you know a guy with his dad who's got dementia and, you know, in the zombie apocalypse, Neil's a guy that actually creates kind of the, the, the dialogue. I think dialogue really sells us really. He's an English literature expert. You know, he's got a brilliant use of English language. And I think the heart of it is Neil. And I think the gore and the funniness is both of us. And then Adam comes in and Adam then constrains us and goes, no, that sounds crap. Reduces, <laughs> move that. Yeah, yeah. Literally. And, he, and we need that balance as well of Adam. And yeah. he's like, no, that doesn't sound right. You're going too far here. Tone it down. Yeah. So we, we work really well. As we said before, you know, we talked about at the very beginning. We all, the three of us gel. And I think if one person left the ditties now, we, we couldn't do it. We just couldn't because, yeah. uh, especially if I left, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know how you feel. Yeah. 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 I'm probably, I'm, I'm probably the heart and brain. Neil's, Neil's probably. The anus, probably, of the series. <laughs> the All the crap comes out of it. <laughs> so, just smells. before you were before you were saying about uh, Adam kind of restraining. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'll come up with it, with an idea, and I'll go to Kevin, and I know if he hates the idea, he goes like this. Mm. 
Adam's more blunt. I'll tell you a very quick. <laughs> I'll tell you a very quick story about Adam. Very very huh? quick. He's very blunt. So we would we were having a meal with Ed Newmeyer. And uh, we were in, obviously, in LA, having this meal with him. We first kind of met him. Mm. And obviously, Ed Newmar also wrote Starship Troopers. Yes. And oh. we were talking about the film. We was going, oh, brilliant, blah, blah, blah. And he was talking about, you know, part two, part three. Adam went, yeah, I think part three, shit. And then Ed <laughs> went, Ed went, I directed that. Adam went, still, <laughs> and Adam went, still shit. I was like, we were going, what the we looked at each other, me and Chris, and I was like, yeah, still shit. I was like, okay. <laughs> I think when, when, when you yeah. say it, yeah, when, when, when he says something like, yeah, that was shit, if he was to say, yeah, I directed that, and then he tried to backtrack, it was no, just... He never backed it. He went, no, he yeah. went, that no, shit. Uh, you've got to stand by it. Stand yeah, yeah. by it. And his, his attitude is, my, yeah, his attitude is, it's my opinion. And it's, you know, it's good. But, it's, yeah, be careful. <laughs> I'd rather you lie to his face, you know what I mean, and say, "Oh, I meant Starship Troopers four. I was talking about. Oh, I'd rather you do that." Jim, Mac, you've done that very thing. Uh, he always paints me as the wild one, right? But we were on a call, right? Uh, we'll not mention too many names, right? But we were on a Zoom call, and we were brought in with uh, someone that works out in LA who who's uh, an award-winning uh, cameraman. He works with Michael Moore, right? Okay. And. Uh, so we brought we're having a conversation with him to talk about future project, and J Mac enters the call a bit later. So I'm already aware that this is Michael Moore's cameraman, right? Yeah. And J Mac rocks up. Oh, a cameraman! Hi, how's it going? Blah blah. blah. The guy saying, you know, look, my hair actually, my hair's grown long now, and I've got the beard, and I'm starting to look, you know, a, a bit out of sorts. J Mac hits with a one liner, well, and he goes. Well, at least you don't look like Michael Moore. And everybody's like, <laughs> and then wor words from a specific someone were, uh, J Mac, that's his best friend. <laughs> and John, uh, do, show us the face that you pulled. I don't know what I did. My arse fell out my fucking mouth. <laughs> I had no idea. My whole world just collapsed at that moment. It was just, just like you see the moments in the movies where folk just kind of go like this. They go, <laughs> what what is the chances of anyone to use as an insult? Yeah, exactly. Of yeah. Anyone at that specific time you chose Michael Moore. Yeah, his best friend. Serendipity, <laughs> right? God damn, God. This is a this thanks, been thanks, for, too much, thanks for bringing that up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, these things happen. Mate. These things happen. I've had such a laugh, and uh, I'm going. We're going to have to wrap it up now, uh, so that we can, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so that we can actually get more into the next couple of episodes. Because um, I think we could do a, a lot more on this, which would be really cool. There was a one question that we needed to actually answer, which was in the comments section. I don't know if it's away, and it basically is: when is when is this going to be? Uh, available again, which uh, in fact um, I could probably answer this for you if you want. Well, I know that you've yeah. you're blowing the face. So there's a pre-order that has been uh, <laughs> available to everyone, which is a pre-order and a pre, which J Mac tells the definition of pre. Pre before it comes out, right? Yeah. So yeah. it was available for pre-order to which it sold out, and many people purchased this pre-order, and. Uh, this means that if you buy it now, then you've secured your copy and it will be delivered to you upon its production in when, J-Mac? Yeah, when, J-Mac? 
When, when you Mac? Mid July. <laughs> in July. Mid July. July. Yeah, July. July. I actually, I got there. I got there. It was July. <laughs> so for everybody that has pre-ordered it, you will have it in July. And anybody that hasn't, I don't know if I'm right in saying that maybe there will be another one at some point. Uh, yeah, I think because the demand of this one, I think we want to next year with the 30th anniversary. Is it 35th anniversary? 30th? Yes. Yeah. 35th. 35th. Uh, we want to do uh, an extended version, I think, with extra chapter in it and I think a yeah. new cover as well. So get Grant to another cover for us. Yeah. And makes it a little bit more special as well. I've seen dedication to Joel Schumacher as well. So yeah. I think we're talking about that at the moment. Obviously, you know, uh, what I don't want to do is when we, you know, it's, this is the last time we ever be released and then it comes out next week again. I don't want to do that. It's like a closing down yeah. sale for a sofa company, isn't it? Every, <laughs> yeah. they're always closing down, you know. Uh, but we, uh, I think there's been a massive demand on this one, and it sold out within 32 hours. I think it sold out mm -hmm. within. Yeah. So obviously, there's still a demand for it. Um, so yeah, we will look at it maybe next year. Yeah, and another really cool thing about that is Paul has already agreed to come up here, which you should definitely come up with him. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, the offer's there. You don't um... really know. I'd come without without Paul. <laughs> you don't really. Maybe do. All all Paul did was write all the designs. Me, look at that beautiful design. <laughs> I did all that. That's really. really I did nice. it. That, that's who who reads. People look at the pictures, don't they? So <laughs> right. yeah, the layouts. Me, don't bother with Paul. <laughs> well. I mean, you can fight it among yourselves, but we can put a Lost Boys screening on and you guys can bring these and people could probably buy them there and have yeah. you guys sign them. And we can do a whole Q&A on stage. Uh, guys, what was it like? What was it like, Paul, taking all the credit for Gary's work? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, Paul. No, no, bad. I mean, that's I'm true. And it irritates <laughs> me. It really irritates me. There'll, there'll, still be, there'll be somebody there that goes, what would I like working with Stallone? Oh yeah, yeah. I tell you uh, what, on the next edition, I'm going to put on the top. Gary Smart presents Lost in the Shadows. One hundred percent. Oh, here we go. Uh, any chance of a hardback version? I'm ready to pay big. How big are we talking? <laughs> Look at that. Um, I mean, that. Look at that. I mean, I don't think we've got any left. To be honest, all jokes aside, I think the hardback literally went through the roof, and then it went on eBay. Then for five hundred pound, people were paying for the hardback version when it was mm -hmm. obviously being dotted around the internet last year um we won't go back to hardback i think because of the issues that we had with lost boys because of the size of it the unless you pack it in a box that big stuffed in you know wrapped and wrapped in in um what's it called that stuff now bubble wrap and whatnot and charging people 50 quid to post it mm -hmm. it's a risk always post internationally now we can do it off the uk market fine but um, the hardback, I think, is probably, unless you find it on eBay now, it's gone, probably. Mm -hmm. It's I mean, a shame. I, li I like the hardback. Paul, Paul prefers the softbacks, but I like the hardbacks. Mm. Yeah. And when mm. I go to my garage, I'll find you a copy of Trioxin. It's in there somewhere. Oh, mate, that, the, I would the, love that. There's definitely, and the Revenge of the Living Dead's definitely in there somewhere as well. So I'll go into the stock mate, and I'll find it. You know that someone's sitting here going like that. I don't actually have to wait on the hardback coming. What I need to do is locate where Gary lives and just <laughs> rob his garage. <laughs> there's, no, there's no lost boys in that garage. I know that one million percent. I've been looking. I've been looking. It's you like, know, how can I get these COVID, COVID got hard, you know what I mean? So I was looking for the hardbacks. COVID you know, got hardback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could have done with a few of them. I've got oh, like, one copy of it, which is my own. No one's having that. And it's, uh, oh, man. Yeah. 
And that's in the house that your garage is right next to, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's like, no. It's at like, no, my grand's. It's at my grand's. <laughs> grand. He doesn't really have one. Uh, He's just lying. Yeah, there. she's dead. She's dead, so it's not hers. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it you, you didn't kill us don't worry about it <laughs> or did you that that you could tell in an episode of the days <laughs> oh man well i'm glad i'm glad that everybody got that off their chest so everybody that has uh pre-ordered one july so there's no need to send any emails requesting your book any any yeah, sooner it might be before that we've actually got we've got them in stock now but obviously it's a whole process we've got to do now obviously to really get them out which is a mm-hmm. bit of a pain in the backside but so they'll start, probably start shipping from the week after next so maybe oh, you know the first week in july i don't promise that but it will be probably earlier than expected well you've said it now and they can go back yeah. and hold well, please to if you live in america <laughs> if you if you live in america please understand that when we ship to the uk it tends to be the next day america won't be the next day People <laughs> people get so misped off. They do. They go, uh, how can these British people have got there? Well, because they live in the UK. It's <laughs> next day delivery. <laughs> it takes oh. up to twenty eight days to deliver to the state, and they don't. People don't understand that. We're not holding them back. Going, oh, British people first. It doesn't work like that. It just it happens yeah. to be faster delivery. <laughs> Heather Dow says, "I missed it again." Heather, man. Heather, she'll be. She Heather is the one that made this. Well, well, thank you, Heather, for copyright infringement. And considering <laughs> considering you're you're good at copyright infringement, why don't you just vote, copy the book for her and send her a copy? It'd be easy, wouldn't it? PDF it to her. This this was all her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I'll do is uh, she'll she'll no doubt be there when Paul comes over so, we'll, so we'll not, only, not only kevin not only have you snapped a leg you've also thrown her right under a fucking bus yeah as well. <laughs> can i ask you one quick question did paul send you a copy of the book um no no you. gary did That's, gary sent yeah, it yeah. so why would you yeah, want paul I mean, at then yeah <laughs> but just just because it's, it's this bit About. here look. i know but it needs to go he insisted on that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does take all the credit, right? He does, yeah. See the picture? He's got, he's got a picture in the front and the back of the book. Hold on, I'm just trying to find the back. It says Gary. Where is it? Where's Gary? Gary. So it's going to take me a while. <laughs> Don't um, worry, the next one's going to have a picture of my face next to David's at the front. Don't worry. There's Neil. <laughs> yeah, Neil's on there. <laughs> Neil. <laughs> See, I'm I'm, just, I'm I'm, I, haven't, I haven't got an ego. That's the thing. Like Paul, <laughs> I don't need to have my ego massaged every single day over a book. <laughs> I love you, know, you, know, you know how I know he's got no ego? Because he's not watching this now. I watch his one. Oh. You know what I mean? Fucking hell! He's oh. at home counting the dollars. Any from the books? Is what he's doing. <laughs> if he if he was on right now, he'd be going at you in the comment section. I exactly, imagine, right? he's a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, do you know what? <laughs> Screw the cinema. We're going to rent a box <laughs> and ring. <laughs> I'd win. I'd win. <laughs> he's about he's about nine foot tall, isn't he? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll get the, the the bigger they are. That's it. The dumber they are, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taller than J Mac. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, hey, hey, I can't thank you enough for sending these, baby. This is no, uh, no, actually, yeah, but... something that you know, treasure. I mean, I just feel so lucky to even be holding one because we've seen so many Lost Boys fans that are like, you know, where can I find one? So it's it's, it's 
unbelievable. We've been sent really cool things throughout um, doing this podcast, uh, but nothing is amazing yeah, as this. Yeah. I mean, we've been sent some really good gear, like, <laughs> but still, we put this right at the top of that that Mount Rushmore for sure. Yeah, I, I, I did something recently which I regretted, where I sent a nice package, a care package, when I call it, of the books and and DVDs to a very famous director, and um, he didn't even say thank you. And then he complained then to Paul. I won't mention the guy's name. We directed Sean of the Dead, and he complained. To, <laughs> he complained. He complained to Paul that I don't like Return of the Living Dead. Well, that's 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 gratitude for you. So I said, send the oh. bloody book back. You could have Aye. that book. Yeah. Oh mate. Right. Do you know what you should do? Just send me his email address. I'll send you his home address. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a garage. <laughs> yeah. well, it'll be, be, be beneath it soon. <laughs> so Heather Dow says, Kev, please tell him you made you made me do that shirt. <laughs> my issue only is Heather that you use the actual older logo as well because you've got a newer version of a logo with Dr. Brunner on it and you've used the one with Crane's face. So I can elaborate on this. So this is how the conversation went. Heather, I would really love it if you could make me something with this on it. And I kind of come up with a wee diagram with this one on it, right? Oh. And then I sent her your new logo. And oh. she, goes, she goes, have you edited the logo? And I was like, uh, no, why? I'm, I'm not that good. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, because it's a different one. I was like, all right. I was like, we'll just go with the one that I sent. So oh. she was going to do it with it. So that is my fault. She was going to do that. That's with what you get one. when you break the law. <laughs> when initially, when I got this made, I was like, I was like, I actually wanted a Adetti's t-shirt because I was like, that's the logo's cool and it's great, and I love to support something that that I want someone to ask me what it is so I can tell yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Have please, that yeah. conversation. And uh, I said, you know, it'd be cool if I could have it for Sunday. Um, so I was like. Heather, <laughs> and uh, bear in mind, Heather's at home with a broken leg. She managed to break her own leg, and uh, she yeah, she broke herself. So she she actually went out and uh, out to another place to get another printer because hers wasn't working, etc. So she she done one of those. Oh, well, fair play. Thank you. She done one of those no, proper it, like. It's, we, really, it's, it's know, cool. It really is cool uh, seeing someone with it. I said, our oh, fan Laurie, she got all these kind of T-shirts and whatnot. She cosplays, but seeing yeah. somebody over here with a Ditty shirt is is nice. <laughs> That's good. I love how you said our fan. <laughs> we used to be like that. We used yeah. to be like that, eh? and it was yeah. Heather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, oh man, I could laugh all night, but it's gonna. I'm gonna be sore. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having yeah, you. Thank you. We will have you back on again soon. Uh, and I know a lot of podcasters say that, but if you look through our episodes, we have recurring guests that definitely come on, so you can be assured of that. Yeah, and by that um, time, I will, I will have actually seen Dad Days. So good. Um, yes, yes. Um, we, we should get you back on with, <laughs> with Neil as well and do a wee Dark Days. We could even do a watch along at some point, raise some money for something cool than the production of the the reproduction of the hardback. <laughs> 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 something yeah. uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure yeah, and thank you pick no. your brain all night and uh we will we'll pick your brain so apologies in advance if we hit you with 300 no <laughs> no it's fine no no, no. <laughs> um, sure at all. Enjoy doing and, that. and we are here in scotland which is not so far away from you so if you're ever in this area or you're ever coming up to here we are the connections you need to make it happen quicker than you probably would be able to do yourself, right? <laughs> just no, just yes. quicker. <laughs> <You're> like, <"No." laughs> it's like, see that cinema that you work with? Not anymore. 
My cinema now. <laughs> Cult screen and sign's gone up. The <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna call the show there at two hours and thirty six minutes, and it's only felt like an hour show. That's yeah, that's yeah. how you can tell you've had you've absolutely had fun. So we will. I'm gonna just put their website up here. You can go to youtube.com forward slash dead mouse productions to see pretty much that's pretty much where i stole all your trailers yeah. and <laughs> and uk, where you can essentially look at all the things you can't have because they're sold out yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, i went to the store and i was like what can yeah. i get nothing yeah. that giant <laughs> carrot we just hang around people yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well, like you could have won <laughs> <laughs> but I, I imagine at some point soon there will be yeah, uh, there will be uh, exactly. There might even be uh, dead dead stage. I'll get. Uh, you got, me, you got me thinking. I'm. You know. Can I? Can I? Manchester have more than one. That's the thing. Mm. Maybe two. Maybe <laughs> I, mean, it. I mean, I think we. Uh, uh, hey, hey. Uh, oh, look, there's Neil saying uh, I'm better than Gary. <laughs> he should be in bed by now. He's age. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so cutscreens.co.uk is where you can pretty much catch up with everything that you guys do. I think everybody's the scalpers are waiting for the Lost Boys book to. Be on sale again um and who knows maybe there will be some merch for some of the cool stuff e- even if you just kind of gimmick infringing on like fright night and some of the stuff you've done you might be able to we tried it then they do it didn't work <laughs> well we, we did we did we did the frock peter vincent figure and we yeah. got away with it by calling it the host of a documentary we got away with it and it's one of those things where everybody wanted one and when we we, we had to get three thousand and made and i still had two thousand in the garage for about three years but anyway yeah, that's yeah. a different story <laughs> but but now they've all gone. Coming soon. Now they've all gone. Everybody wants one. It's like, you know, I sold two thousand to a guy in America. I don't know what he was doing. What he did with them. But yeah, two thousand <laughs> Peter Vincent. But, uh, there you go. Hello, so she'll make you a few if you want. That's, a few what? Uh, Daddy's. Oh, shit. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> I'll take them. <laughs> Three thousand. Three PMP postage and packaging. Yeah. Um, yeah. So join us on Thursday, where we will be reviewing movie. What movie are we reviewing, J Mac? Dark Ditties. Fast <laughs> Nine, unfortunately. Oh. It's not. It's not. It's in the Heights. <laughs> ah shit! Fast Nine yeah. is the following week. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can tell who runs this outfit, right? Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm on vacation, man. I'm on vacation. What? Uh, all year? <laughs> yes, I'm only kidding. But uh, yeah, so we'll be back on Thursday doing our usual box office banter where we re- review new movies. Uh, for Bathgate Cinema, and we will catch you guys soon. Make sure to go ahead and follow Cult Screenings, and you've pretty much got a social media for every documentary that you've done, if I'm correct. I've seen a lot of them. That must be tough. (laughs) That must be tough. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I've banned a lot of users over last year. (laughs) Brilliant. So thanks again, Gary, and we will see you on another episode. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. See you soon.